is here. Bill Gates? Uh, I gotta go. Hey, hey, Bill Gates actually showing up at corporate. Hey, Steve, how you doing? Not bad, you know, just trying to get this next-gen press stuff handled. I heard there's a little trouble in, uh, Colorado somewhere? Oh, it's no, it turns out it was nothing, just some kids trying to turn the console wars into something bigger. Oh, my gosh. You know, when I uh, stepped down and left you in charge of the company, Steve, I, I knew there might be some challenges for you. Yeah, well, nothing I can't handle. There might be some changes we need to make to our marketing, but I'm optimistic. Uh-huh. You know, I think we'll ultimately sell the number of units we want to. You're right, Steve. Some changes do need to be made. Do you know what weakness is, Steve? Weakness is believing that competition is healthy. See, there was a time when Xboxes and Playstations could both survive in this world, but that time's done. It's all headed to one device that people game on, watch TV on, socialize on. There's only going to be one winner. I can't have you idiots throwing away everything I worked so hard to achieve. <laughs> Abs in a six-pack. It's Chris Arnold. And Noah Beamer. And Noah Beamer. Hey. This is Caleb Stevenson. Hey! Um, <laughs> so I, I realized I like after the voice. listening to the first couple episodes that I just sound unenthusiastic as fuck on this thing. Yeah, you so, sound like uh, you don't care. Yeah, even though it's a topic I care about. So now we're going to get hype! Hype! hype. <laughs> uh, don't be, want to be accused of uh, being low energy. You we're going to get so. hype! Oh, well, <laughs> here. Please clap. So yeah, uh, I got a, I got some more uh, ISOs and sound effects. That's for great. For example, uh, hey Noah, say, I just flew in. I just flew in. Okay, and then say, and boy are my arms tired. And boy are my arms tired. <laughs> so yeah, oh, wow. so now so now it that's going to get abused. <laughs> yeah. So now it won't now it now it sounds like I'm enthusiastic cuz I have sound effects. Is that how that works? I think it is. Yeah. Pretty sounds sure. That's right. As long yeah. as you're using the air horn consistently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's I mean we got got to bring that one back. <laughs> I'm always enthusiastic when we're talking about population <laughs> control and uh, uh you know that kind of stuff. So Eugenesis, that kind of thing. Killing people off. The billionaire class deciding who lives and who dies. Gets my dick hard. So uh Oof. so okay, Caleb, tell me okay, yeah. just for the just to, for the sake of argument, because today's episode's about Bill Gates. Just uh tell me uh tell me something good about Bill Gates. I mean, he invented Microsoft or founded Microsoft. <laughs> Gay <laughs> oh, wow. you set me up for that. 
Uh, yeah. So anyway. did you like download the adolescent boy uh, sound package starter pack? <laughs> Trust me, that's uh, that's nothing. Just wait. <laughs> All right. One good thing Bill Gates did: Windows Phone. Have you? Do you even have a Windows Phone? I had several Every Windows Phones. Phone. I was one of their only fans. <laughs> I was a huge fan of Windows Phone. Did you ever have a Zune? I did not. But Windows Phone is basically just Zune repackaged. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're talking Bill Gates today because, you know, Bill Gates, he's in the news now, and people are finally coming around to that he might be kind of creepy. And we'll open it up with a pretty nice little clip that Caleb pulled. EA Sports, y'all motherfucking server is down. Get that shit back up. We trying to play. There's a bunch of motherfuckers at home that's locked and loaded right now. Fix this shit. Bill Gates, Microsoft, whoever the fuck. All these motherfucking bullshit-ass vaccines y'all trying to give us. Fix the motherfucking video game, nigga. Man. <laughs> is, is Microsoft even affiliated with EA? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure. Uh, EA, yeah. yeah, pretty sure. is actually might be a subsidiary or owned by Microsoft. Okay. Something like that. The more you know. Well, let's look this up. We do have the internet. We have. Yeah, I the think that clip's pretty cool, though, because it shows, like... Even Snoop Dogg knows, even whether or not he believes it or not, he still knows about like the vaccine Bill Gates connection, you know? Right. <laughs> like he's like out there, I he's like, you know, know, hey, vaccine's got something to do with Bill Gates and it's not good. Yeah. We'll definitely touch on the vaccine issue. I'm going to start off by uh, just a little backgrounder, I guess, on Bill Gates' life. I found a really annoying YouTube video about it. With really annoying background music, so you're welcome in advance. What what'd you find out, Noah? Is EA owned by Microsoft? I'm searching. Well, it's not too important, but let me know. If, let me know if the. Uh... Uh, as far as I can tell, no. I, I, when I Google "Does Microsoft own EA," what comes up is Microsoft could buy EA. <clears throat> yeah, they're probably just partnered. Because if Microsoft owned. EA, then EA probably wouldn't be on PlayStation. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, yeah. EA's games. All right, so let's. Uh, yeah, let's get some background on Bill Gates. And God, is this background music just like ridiculous? I used to stay at work until uh, eleven or twelve, and then go home and read. Before Bill Gates would establish Microsoft and have his personal computing software in practically every PC device for the rest of eternity, you're going to see the future. Windows. Windows. So yeah, right off the bat, Bill Gates is a total nerd, man. I mean, definitely. And somehow he looked older in the 80s than he does now. No. Now he looks like majorly shriveled now. Yeah, well, that's just because of the He looks kind of like a turtle. <laughs> yeah. Like if you look at him and look at like a picture of a sea turtle, like right next to Bill Gates, like it's like the same Nemo. picture. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to sound... It's not quite sound, on the Mitch McConnell level of turtleness, though. I don't want to sound judgy or, you know, like a meathead or something, but, like, Bill Gates just oozes beta male, like, male feminist hashtag, you know, like, I just, I, I this guy is, has always been just, in, gen, in general, kind of gross. And his <laughs> wife straight up looks like a dude. <clears throat> But enough for the enough with the personal attacks because we'll yeah, come back to I'm those. Sorry. There'll be plenty of personal attacks. But before the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation would save the lives of upwards of six million people through vaccines and improved health care. 
So he saved upwards of 6 million people with vaccines. Did you guys know that? Bill Gates, great guy, great guy. Now, he personally administered those vaccines? Well, and then uh, yes. and then it turned out he accidentally gave, you know, thousands of people in India live polio, and way more people got polio from his vaccine than would have actually gotten polio from getting wild the wild strain of polio. Joe Rogan was just talking about that yesterday, I think. Yeah, and uh, boy, did he really, at least at the beginning, really just try to defend Bill Gates when Tim Dillon was talking about like right. creepy shit Bill Gates is involved in. Joe was like, defend, oh, no, defend the rich. Good. Yeah. 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 It was, well, uh, I mean, also, I mean, like for people that haven't looked into it, I mean, Bill Gates doesn't seem like a bad guy. He just seems like a really rich, nerdy dude, you know? Yeah. On the outside, looked into it, he yeah. actually seems like a good guy, you know? I mean, how many people develop uh, massive, you know, philanthropic organizations with all of their wealth? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's not just the Clintons that have a foundation. You got to have a foundation. Right. I just play this last bit again because, I mean, God, that background music. Before the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation would save the lives of upwards of six million people through vaccines. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> Nightclub music. Yeah. The 80s nightclub music. Yeah. Before the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation would save the lives of upwards of 6 million people through vaccines and improved health care, before Bill Gates would develop a machine that turns poop water into drinkable water. I'm pretty confident <laughs> that that poop was... Poop water? <laughs> this is the bottled water. Who's trying to drink what? poop Before water? the Bill... Where, where are there, like, <laughs> massive, like, repositories of poop water that we can harvest Just, and turn into drinking water? So, like, no, Bill Gates, <laughs> they have the clip in here. Bill Gates goes on Jimmy Fallon and, like, has Jimmy Fallon, uh, he's like, I got bottled water and poop water. And so good that you won't be able to tell the difference. Gates would develop a machine that turns poop water into drinkable water. I'm pretty confident that that was... This is the bottled water. Well, that was rigged. It was all, all poop water. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, it was all poop water. Gag. Bill Gates wants to make all the water poop water. <laughs> it's, like, it's like this dude is so freaking rich and privileged that he goes on Jimmy Fallon and makes him drink poop water in front of the entire <laughs> And Jimmy Fallon just... Just loves it. It's, this uh, is what the world needs. This is the invention that mankind needs right now. <laughs> I've got all these. I've got acres of poop water just sitting out there. Nothing to do with it. One man will lead <laughs> Thanks, us out of the darkness. Like, I, looked, drink I, it. I looked into this after I saw that because I did not know about Bill Gates. Not just making Jimmy Fallon drink poop water, but like this was like a big project that he worked on in like. It was like supposed to be revolutionary. Like New York Times is covering like Bill Gates is going to turn water with fecal matter into drinkable water with his poop water <laughs> task force. Yeah, it's like the dumbest thing I've ever. I mean, I guess in in third world countries that's actually, you know, right, right. good. But I'm making fun of this. But yeah, you know, there's just, there's lots yeah, of people. The, the phrase in "poop Africa water" is just funny, use this, right? regardless of what situation it's used. Yeah, in. it's outrageous. <laughs> and he was probably putting yeah. fluoride in all of it too. Probably. <laughs> That's probably what it was. Water. It was just like he left all the poop in the water. He just threw a bunch of fluoride in. <laughs> was like, here, drink up. Masks the taste. It was all, all poop water. <laughs> he was at. I just, 
<laughs> it was I need all, to, all poop water. I need to ISO that clip. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes. Uh, remind me to do that. It was all, all poop water. He was actually a bit of a troublemaker, getting himself locked up in his early 20s and raising alarms when he was able to hack into complicated software in his early teens. Yeah, the man yeah. was a smart cookie. He scored 1,590 out of 1,600 on his SATs, and he still decided to drop out of Harvard. Bill made it his personal mission to become a millionaire before the age of 30, something which he wasn't able to do. But I don't think he's gonna be too upset about it because he would later go on to have a net worth of $72 billion. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> I love how this dude goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then that music in the background that was just like the most outrageous that was just that whole thing was like wow i, I this, could this not this whole it. thing sounds like it was produced by like like a team of ultra nerds and like it, it's all influenced by what they think is cool it sounds like bill gates got a slightly less nerdy like hype man you know <laughs> it sounds like like an 80s workout video and they have Bill Gates yeah. as the host. They just have this music, and the the whole workout is just Bill Gates just laying all of his accomplishments. Bill Gates on is him. smart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, Double time. Come on. Uh, that whole video is like twenty minutes long, and I couldn't even make it ten minutes in because the entire time that music is in the background, I'm like don't don't don't. It's like oh my god. This is the music that Bill Gates makes you listen to when he makes you suck his dick, basically. <laughs> yes Oof. well anyway yes yeah, so bill gates the computer guy founder of microsoft but do you guys know the whole history and the rivalry between him and steve jobs any of that yeah man yeah so I mean, like mac mac versus pc like all those commercials you know oh yeah but even before that yeah those commercials with justin long and that other dude that was great <laughs> played the pc but yeah um no, I was Steve Jobs got pissed at Bill Gates and because, you know, he always accused Bill Gates of like stealing his software and ripping him off and tried to sue him and stuff. But I found a, a early 90s interview from S Steve Jobs just talking about Microsoft and I thought this was pretty good. The only problem with Microsoft is they just have no taste. <laughs> they have absolutely no taste. And, and, and what that means is, I don't mean that in a small way, I mean that in a big way, in the sense that they they don't think of original ideas and they don't bring much culture into their product um, and and you say well wh why is that important well you know proportionally spaced fonts come from typesetting and beautiful books that's where one gets the idea if it weren't for the mac they would never have that in their products um, and so i i guess i am saddened not by microsoft's success i have no problem with their success They've earned their success, for the most part. I have a problem with the fact that they just make really third-rate products. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I actually have the exact same problem with Microsoft. Yeah, it, Microsoft is, to this day, just a shit show. Um, That's why they update almost on a daily basis. Their, their products are far less polished than, you know, Apple's. You know, yeah. I'm, say what you will about Apple. You know, I mean, many people, I mean, you got plenty of uh, valid criticisms there but what he what steve jobs is saying is correct at least in my opinion yeah and that was back when steve jobs had like a full head of hair that's, i mean that was an old that's an old interview but yeah i mean he the rivalry was pretty legit which yeah it brings you 
it kind of gives a good backdrop and a backstory to those I'm a Mac and I'm a PC commercials because that was, you know, back when Steve Jobs was still alive and it was almost like still out of his spite. <laughs> like it was like still getting back at Bill Gates. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's a couple actually really good movies. I think one's called Jobs. Uh, and there's one of them has uh, Seth Rogen in it and the other one's got Ashton Kutcher playing Steve Jobs. Have you guys seen any of those? I haven't. I've seen commercials for the one with Ashton Kutcher though. Yeah, I've yeah, heard of it. I've never seen it. Yeah, this is the one. Ashton Kutcher actually does a damn good job in that movie. I thought it was some of his best acting. But uh, mm. this is mm. uh, when he finds out that Bill Gates ripped him off and had somebody like steal the source code for his software. He played the clip. Arrived yesterday. It's pre-beta, obviously, but it's well. It's a blatant ripoff. Give me Bill Gates on the phone. Let me make this perfectly clear, Bill, so that when I'm finished, you can still see through those thick, pretentious glasses, you psychopathic, unimaginative criminal. You stole my software, and I can prove it in court. And I'm going to sue you for every cent that you have ever made. And I will make it my life's mission to see to it that you never, never, ever make another dollar that I don't first take 90 cents. So yeah. But, Damn, son. <laughs> yeah. Mm. No, they, uh, they hated each other for a while. And Steve, I, Steve Jobs, like, you know, he's, I have my own criticisms of him, but like, he's light years better than Bill Gates oh, yeah. and light years better than the current head of Apple, Tim Cook, who is basically, I mean, if lizard people are real, Tim Cook and Bill Gates, I mean, that's, it's <laughs> two of them right there. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, that movie's pretty good. And it really, um, focuses on like, you know, the rise of Apple in the eighties and, uh, kind of the, that's the A story and the B story is basically how Bill Gates was just like screwing over Steve Jobs and ripping off, <laughs> off his software. And then, uh, I mean, there's a bunch of movies made about it, but I also found this something I hadn't seen, which is like an old late 90s, early 2000s, like uh, miniseries on TV. I'm not sure what network it came on, but it's along the You're same You're stealing from us! Steve, we're not stealing from you. So don't tell me that. What the hell? That's a, that's a good Bill Gates impression. It's a really good Bill Gates impression. Tell me that. Hmm. What the hell are you doing then? What is this that I keep hearing about you developing this? What do you call it? Windows? <laughs> to compete with us? I'm not doing anything against you, Steve. Don't give me that crap! You're pirating the software off our Mac prototypes! I trusted you! <laughs> this sounds like like a fucking soap opera version of the story. <laughs> yeah, the piano music in the background. I trusted you! I trusted you. you! You were my brother, Anakin! <laughs> I have the higher ground, Steve Jobs. <laughs> no, but it's, yeah, it's uh, pretty much universally acknowledged at this point that Bill Gates just not only ripped off Apple, but um, actively infiltrated and stole the, uh, the source code. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's interesting. Well, it's, it's just kind of an interesting, uh, example of like two different business models. Like Steve jobs is really creative, but he was very thorough, very precise, almost an egomaniac with the way he developed his products. 
And, you know, uh, uh, and his model was very closed off. Like, you know, he, they didn't allow for a lot of user modification, a lot of user control. You know, Bill Gates was just like, get it out the door. Let's go, let's go, let's go. He would stole things from different people. He acquired lots of companies, you know, um, integrated them into his product, repackaged it, and then had an open license and, you know, sold as many as he possibly could. You know, the, the Bill Gates model paid off a lot sooner windows exploded way before mac did um or at least it got it reached like a new heights that mac hadn't reached for for you know and wouldn't reach for years and years to come but nowadays mac is a much more polished product or in general their product apple's products are more polished and they sell far more and you know far and uh, beyond at microsoft you know so well, that to me just shows that Bill Gates was a better businessman. Like uh, Steve Jobs, he really wanted like his craft to be good. He right. wanted the he was, product. He was, he was a better like, creator. This is a representative of myself. Right. Whereas yeah, Bill right. Gates was just like, let's pump it out. Let's get this out there. We'll update as we need to. Steve Jobs. We'll charge him more product. if we need to. Yeah. Right. Jobs. Jobs was almost like an artist. Um, yeah. Yeah. Whereas, in the tech world, and and yeah, Jobs was just a hustler. Or uh, Gates, if you want to, Gates was just a hustler. You mean, yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, Gates was a hustler. Mm-hmm. Jobs was more of an artist. If you want to put a positive spin on, right, both of them. Yeah. So the yeah, in the last clip, <laughs> Jobs is just screaming at Bill Gates and accusing him of stealing it, and Bill Gates is just like, he's like, oh, he's like, he's just kind of weaseling up next to him, and it seems like, you- uh, it seemed they ended up being friends and you know working together, and it seems like, uh, well, I'll give you my theory after this clip. Did you read? What I said in that newspaper story on us two days ago? No, what'd you say? I said, when your new Macintosh comes out, I mean, that'd be the only computer I'd want to buy my mom. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> I mean, that'd be the only computer I'd want to buy my mom. Yeah? Yeah. Your mom, huh? Mm-hmm. It's like we're one big family, you know? Family. You know that. Mm, yeah, so I have a theory, and I have no proof at all, but I'm going to lay it on you. Let's hear it. I think Steve, Steve, well, I think Bill Gates wormed his way next to Steve Jobs' side after Steve Jobs was all pissed off and caught on to him, uh, <laughs> you know, stealing his shit, Were, like weaseled his way next to Steve Jobs. Bill Gates gave Steve Jobs cancer with God knows what method, but I mean, I'm sure he could do it, and then replaced him with an android, and that android is Tim Cook, the current head of Apple. <laughs> oh, no. and I guess, I guess uh, not just for what I just said, but every this whole episode, um, just tack on allegedly, because Bill Gates has a lot of money and a lot of lawyers, so I'm going to say allegedly that happened, but I mean, it probably did happen. Well, I mean, yeah, we don't know what of this is nonsense and what's not. So, well, Tim Tim Cook being an android controlled by Bill Gates is definitely true, though. I I, I think it really matters what version of Android Tim Cook is running. (laughs) Oh my god! Oh my god! Is it like one of the newer ones? Is it one of the older ones? Gonna start laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Got him. Sorry, I need it. I I mean, it's gonna take me some time to be more quick on the draw. Right. Uh, so yeah, you actually brought it up, Noah, and you, the uh, the classic 
Hi, I'm a Mac and I'm a PC. There must have been, what, 50 different of those commercials? Those were such great marketing campaigns. Oh, yeah. Because that personal computer, you know, everybody had PCs and they, yeah, they they just basically made it look like, you know, you're an idiot if you have a PC. <laughs> like, that's like the basically the right. premise of the Basically. How many of you, do you guys remember, like, how many different ones I there were? I probably saw at least 20. Yeah, I felt like the, upwards of 50 is what I was thinking. But, I mean, I'm just going off memory from years ago. But I did pull... <laughs> I did pull one, and it's it. You won't really understand with just the audio, but I'll explain it after you hear it. Hello, I'm a Mac, and I'm a PC. You know, I actually just finished a, a home movie. That's so funny. I just finished my own home movie. I, I did it on iMovie. It was really easy. Well, I doubt it's as excellent as mine, but I'd, I'd be happy to take a look. Yeah, that would be great. Right, roll it. Hi, so. I'm a Mac home movie. So this like model comes up. Hi, I'm a Mac home movie. Like. Just like a beautiful woman. It looks really professional, right? Well, great. Bye. Wait, 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 wait. wait. What? what about your squeezy? Uh, please. Well, okay, sure. And then a dude walks up with like a hairy dude in a dress. <laughs> and he's the PC's movie. What's up? PC home movie. Work in progress. <laughs> so by today's standard, I mean, that would be an outrage today. I think like peop that would be like super transphobic. Yeah, one uh, super left wing publication or another would catch on to it and have an opinion piece written on it, and then that opinion piece would go viral, and then there'd be a whole Twitter outcry. Yeah, no this this would not this would not fly. No no uh, ad campaign. Yeah, would, I'm, I'm with would, you there. Prove that in today's climate. Oh yeah, that's that's a hundred times worse than the Peloton thing recently. Than the what? Peloton. The was that? exercise yeah, like bike you pay twelve hundred dollars yeah. for. Yeah, and there was like a woman, and it was like her husband got her the bike for Christmas or her birthday or something. Oh, yeah. And she has like her workout journey, and she's like, "It's really hard, but I'm trying." <laughs> and it was like people were mad because it's like it looks like she's their like, husband's forcing her to use the Peloton. The Peloton <laughs> yeah. stock dropped yeah, like fifty percent. Yeah, but it's kind of like. I don't know. Usually when stock drops for something like that, it bounces right back. Right. Like Gillette with their, you know, super virtual signaling all men are rapist commercials. Like, it ended, yeah, it, I think it ended up they ended up balancing out. But uh, yeah, if you're going to go controversial, um, you always, you know, virtue signal to the left. There's no like right wing uh, ad campaigns, especially in the Trump era. Dr. Pepper tried and they failed real hard with Dr. Pepper 10. Isn't it Dr. Paper? <laughs> <laughs> Callback. <laughs> but yeah, though that it's it doesn't seem as bad if you're not visually seeing it. But yeah, it was like that. I I labeled that clip tr super transphobic Mac versus PC commercial because it was like, whoa. <laughs> right. I mean, it's got to be 15, 10 years old at least, I would think. But anyway, so uh, Netflix, you know. They're doing what they do best, you know, publishing propaganda. They actually, Bill Gates funded that uh, pandemic Netflix documentary that conveniently dropped like a month before coronavirus started. Um, and, you right. know, the Obama, Michelle and Barack Obama, you know, they're all buddy-buddy with Bill Gates and they're uh, on the board of Netflix and fund a lot of shows as well. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really? The Obamas are getting that Netflix money. They actually did. That it. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. They did. It was about two years ago, right? That they bought in to Netflix. Mm hmm. And they produce a lot of stuff uh, okay. on Netflix. And you'll notice uh, 
they actually covered this on no agenda, but I'd seen the trailer, but um, I ended up watching it after Adam talked about it because there's this whole documentary that's produced by the Obamas and it's about how China's awesome and the United States sucks and China's basically going to take over. And it's like really pro-China, super weird. Wow. About how American workers are dumb and lazy and China's the shit. It's kind of interesting. Obama produced it and it's like, hmm. I saw some of the more interesting, like uh, pro free thought documentaries that I've always been interested in um, on Netflix drop off around two oh, years yeah. ago, like uh, such as like uh, the culture high. Oh, um, even beyond that, I remember when Netflix had a uh, loose change. Right. And like maybe six other 9-11 inside job documentaries. Right. And that they shit, got, that they, shit about is not two, on there about anymore. Two or three years ago, they got rid of a lot of their edgier stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the only conspiracy theory type stuff they have on there is uh, ancient aliens type shit. Actually, there's a few good. There's a few good things on there. Yeah. Anyway, here's the Netflix trailer for. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I titled this Netflix releases heavy, heavily edited Bill Gates documentary where they suck his balls. And really, I mean, if you listen to this, um, and I, I haven't seen the whole documentary, I've seen chunks of it, but it's uh, it's not just the trailer. Like they chopped the shit out of this almost like a joe biden podcast bill gates what's your favorite animal dog what's your favorite food hamburger what do you eat for breakfast nothing what is your worst fear i don't want my brain to stop working he's gonna put it in a computer bill is a multi-processor he'll be reading something else but then processing at the same time it's chaos thrives on complexity. He makes a framework in his mind, and then he starts slotting in the information. If something doesn't line up, and he gets really frustrated, it's scary. But when Bill stills himself, he can pull ideas together that other people can't see. At Microsoft, I worked night and day, and that was how I made sure Microsoft stayed ahead. I could be so extreme. You never understood the first thing about this. Microsoft hit a new record high on Wall Street. Rivals paint a dark picture. They'll do whatever he can to uh, capture more of the market. Our mother wanted him to focus on community and family. I gave my mom a hard time not following what she wanted. You don't raise a family hyper-focused in your head. Each one of us has to start out with developing his or her own definition of success. I had the wrong way of looking at things. In life, you have to decide what's important in the world. I will look at energy, climate change, and disease eradication. It's important that we start deploying solutions. Okay, do you hear that? That is so obnoxious. It's important He's that we stop save the world. Solutions. Yeah, but, yeah, that. Yeah, obviously the Messiah complex Bill Gates has, but also, yeah, that edit. It's like they, they pieced this together to make it sound reasonably yeah. interesting, like or just just or semi interesting. It's basically. the most boring shit ever, unless you look at it through the lens they of Bill to, Gates is like a Doctor Evil supervillain. They had to cut out so many. Sp- Spaces in between words just to make it listenable, yeah, basically. Just listen to that again. I think I backed it up to the right spot. Just how edited this one sentence Bill Gates says is. I had the wrong way of looking at things. In life, you have to decide what's important in the world. I will look at energy, climate change, and disease eradication. It's important that we start deploying solutions. 
That is so There's like six horrendous. cuts in there. Yeah, that was... There's that, six is like a conservative estimate. And that was actually happening not just in the trailer, but in the actual... I didn't watch the whole thing. I couldn't bring myself to do it, but that's actually in the documentary. There's I saw edits like that. And, you know, they'll be showing, like, you know, something else. It's not like they're showing the cuts on Bill Gates. You know, there'll be something else on the screen, but it's like, wow. It's who, Whose idea... Was this documentary Obama and Bill Gates? I mean, like, I mean, they well, that's so much exactly. Stuff. That's the thing is like how narcissistic, like e- egotistical, like just consumed with self. Do you have to be to not be so self conscious while like developing a movie that's about how smart you think you are <laughs> and and how you're gonna spend your money to help other people and we should basically all just collectively suck your cock? Yeah. Yeah, I don't recommend well, that documentary. That's, that's the thing. This sounds like pure propaganda trying to prop him up. So, like, people that just watch Netflix and consume whatever they put out, mm-hmm. they'll just be like, oh, yeah, I saw that documentary about Bill Gates, and they were talking about how good of a guy he was and all the good things he's doing. So, yeah, it's like that I Hulu guess he's show a good about guy. Hillary. It's like the Hulu show about Hillary, where it's like, if you just watched that and didn't actually do any research, you'd think, like, man, Hillary is a saint. She's had such a hard life and she overcame so many struggles i watched the first two episodes of that and it was just like you watched the first wow how'd you do that uh i just i can't even watch the commercial bro like i'm i'm <laughs> dying yeah uh how no, much alcohol was consumed watching the first two episodes of that show uh <laughs> enough to get three people drunk probably Whew. no not that much uh but uh the, the best example of this is that freaking, uh, that like pro China documentary that Ob- the Obamas produced. It's like, holy shit. It's like, I would say it's treason for a former president to produce something like that. But then also, uh, that pandemic documentary that Bill and Melinda Gates funded that came out literally, I think, less than a month before the first rumblings of the coronavirus. They had that shit ready to go, popped it out right on time. I mean, that's not mentioning his TED Talks. come up every now and again, so they could have just had one ready to go. Yeah, but... Throw it out there. I don't know, man. There's is, At a certain point, when things like that keep lining up, it's there was definitely some prior knowledge of... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, hasn't he done uh, TED Talks about pandemics? There's Event 201. Oh, I yeah. mean, Event 201, he said, uh, we'll use... We'll use uh, that uh, plus this pandemic. Yeah. You he know, said, we'll I, use... Um, Pandemics will be used to uh, help establish a global government. This is the kind of thing that when the evidence stacks up on so many sides, just pointing toward it probably being something's off. Like, like, to me, the logical (laughs) conclusion to draw from all of this would be to say, hey, something is probably off. But like. The narrative and the the general reaction is to just say, well, no, probably coincidence. Uh, uh." You know, I mean, he's a rich guy. You know, he's got his hands in like a lot of different pies. I mean, I, I don't know. It's, yeah, that's very true. I agree with you. And I do agree with you. But I think it's more of like um, <clears throat> how like there used to be like old, like they were like uh, wise men and stuff, uh, especially like during like the Mayans and stuff, when they mm-hmm. could predict when there was going to be like uh, solar eclipses and lunar eclipses and stuff, just because they had watched the stars and they knew how it was going to line up and when like the eclipses were going to come i think this might be kind of the same thing it's like you look throughout history you can see the pandemics lining up you can see the way 
the viruses mutate and like different stuff happens and you've got people with unlimited resources like Bill Gates and they just look at this and they line it up like, oh, wait a second. We know that there is like a high probability that this is going to happen. Like there's going to be a pandemic or a virus. There's going to be some kind of outbreak, some kind of like emergency situation. It's going to line up. So let's go ahead and start prepping people for it, figure out how to prep people for it correctly. And then when it comes, they're just going to accept what we're doing. Not so much that they're creating this kind of stuff. They're just able to predict when this stuff will happen. Yeah, never right. let a good crisis go to waste. Right. Well, uh, I, I'd, exactly. say, I'd say that's a reasonable view, but equally reasonable would be to say, hey, Bill Gates has all these resources. He has all this technology. He has viruses and he's patented. also got this uh, messiah complex, and he's uh, basically a megalomaniac. I mean— He's the kind of guy who not only like him seeing the trends coming down the road and then calling mm -hmm. them out and then responding to him. That almost like confirms his ego. You know, we actually needed Bill Gates. We needed him like he, he that was helpful. He saw he looked ahead and he was just so intelligent and so smart. He saw what was coming down the pike and and he was ready for it, you know, versus him saying, hey, this is going to come. Hey, this is going to come. Nobody's listening. I'm going to make this happen. Like, I mean, he, he also um, has the capability to do that. $73 billion. And multiple patents on Vex. Uh, already into yeah. viruses. He's already into that kind of technology. How easy would it be to take a virus that's already in existence, find a way to manipulate it, and just release it? And he has, he literally has viruses patented. Right. Um, okay, when you say another, his another, virus is patented, what exactly do you mean? He has multiple coronavirus strains patented and the vaccines for them. Um, you can actually, uh, I should have probably done more research on this because I wasn't planning to go on the patent angle. But another thing I was going to say before I forget is this this whole uh, pandemic talk from Bill Gates. He always kind of brought it up, but he really started ramping it up and pushing it out there and funding all this um, hype around a, a pandemic and saying there was a pandemic incoming, like literally as soon as Trump got elected, mm. it was like, is like he, you, I, cause I didn't realize this until I was pulling clips and like the dates line up is like once Trump's president, Bill Gates just starts waving his arms around screaming that there's going to be a pandemic from like before he was even in office, just after he won the election, which, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but. But that could point towards that if Bill Gates, I mean, he's $73 billion, definitely in the 1% of people, um, he, this could be like the fail safe because obviously he would be, he would be in cahoots with the rest of everybody like that. So like the fail safe is like Donald Trump and just assuming for a little bit that Donald Trump is trying to get rid of all of like the elites and all the people and he's not one of them. This could be like the fail safe. It's like, all right, we got to pull out the pandemic fail safe mm -hmm. in order to make him look bad. Okay. See, I, okay, I can see that a little bit that Bill yeah. Gates would like not necessarily have created the vaccine or not the vaccine, but the virus. But that, yeah, like using my earlier prediction theory, uh, but just able to like ramp it up and use the media, use news outlets and everything like that to get everybody really hyped up about it. And then to unleash yeah. it like that. Yeah, because you barely even have to have the virus at that point. Yeah, they can just, I mean, they can just hype it up. I mean, because, you know, the World Health Organization, CDC, I mean, they can just hype something up. <clears throat> I mean, the disease is real, but mm -hmm. I mean, 
they could, if they wanted to, just make up a disease and it would be the same result. Honestly, with the media apparatus that's in existence in the U.S., you can, I mean, elites and authorities, controlling authorities can basically do whatever the fuck they want and get away with it. You know, it's it's the media has such a strong control over the general populace of America, even still, even with the Internet. They can hide whatever they want. Yeah, it's uh, generous. Uh, I got some Vox. This is I'm still just kind of setting up uh, what Bill Gates is all about. So uh, this Vox did an interview. What is Bill Gates scared of? Why don't you describe for me as vividly as you can what it is you're worried about, what it is that the nightmare scenario looks like? Fortunately, there's very few things, and most of them are very low probability. Uh, you know, some big volcanic explosion, uh, gigantic earthquake, asteroid. Well, at least in the nuclear case, you've got to say we take it quite seriously. We budget a lot of money, have a lot of people who think about nuclear deterrence, and I'm very glad that work's been done, and I rate the chance of a nuclear war in my lifetime as being fairly low. Uh, I rate the chance of a widespread epidemic far worse than Ebola in my lifetime is well over 50%. I funded a disease modeling group that uses computer simulation, and that work has been phenomenal in helping us target our polio eradication resources and you know which parts of Nigeria should we work harder on. And it's very natural if you have a group like that to say, hey, look at something like the Spanish flu in the modern day. Health systems are far better. And so you think, hey, that wouldn't be very bad. Well, we tried it, and, and there are some assumptions we had to make. But what we showed is that the force of infection because of modern transport, which compared to 1918 is over 50 times as great. And so if you get something like a flu and you look at that map of how within days it's basically in all urban centers of the entire globe, that is very uh, uh, eye-opening. That didn't happen with Spanish flu in the past. The opportunity to do more than just let it run its course is really only in the last decade. Basically, when you talk about drugs, you can talk about small molecules or talk about these complex biological protein-like things, of which there's a subclass called antibodies. Antibodies are the molecules that the immune system naturally builds to attack disease. Today, the idea that somebody says, oh, here's an antibody, make a lot of it, make it very quickly, that's right on the cutting edge. And the Ebola epidemic showed me that we're not ready for a serious epidemic, an epidemic that would be more infectious and would spread faster than Ebola did. This is the greatest risk of a huge tragedy. This is the most likely thing by far to kill over 10 million excess people in a year. Did you notice how he phrased that? To kill 10 million excess people? You go back, rewind that. Does that make sense? The idea that somebody says, people. oh, here's an antibody, make a lot of it, make it very quickly. That's right on the cutting edge. And the Ebola epidemic showed me that we're not ready for a serious epidemic, an epidemic that would be more infectious and would spread faster than Ebola did. This is the greatest risk of a huge tragedy. 
This is the most likely thing by far to kill over 10 million excess people in a year. We don't need to invest nearly what yeah, we do that, in that. military preparedness. It sounds almost like the way he's thinking of this is not from not from a, uh, a reactionary standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. It's not from a, a perspective of, hey, like what's likely to come along and, you know, how how prepared are we to respond to what's likely to come along? It's, hey, what's the absolute worst thing that could possibly happen and kill off a ton of people? Like, that's why he had the number excess of 10 million people in his mind. It's like he had yeah. that as a benchmark. And Wait. he's like, well, you know, this disaster wouldn't do it. This disaster wouldn't do it. But a pandemic that would kill excess of 10 you know, million yeah, but people. But he didn't say excess of. He said 10 million excess people, which implies that, like, they're extra people. Like, we don't need them. It's just the way he phrased it I found interesting. Oh, he didn't say in excess of. He said 10 million excess people. Oh, Wow. Isn't that weird? I could I, be reading I did it. not even catch that. I didn't catch that any of the time. It's very odd it. phrasing. Yeah. Of a huge tragedy. This is the most likely thing by far to kill over 10 million excess people in a year. We don't need to invest nearly what yeah. we do in military preparedness. This is there. something where less than a billion a year on R&D, medical surveillance. Medical surveillance. So yeah, um, mm. Vox did that whole piece, what's Bill Gates scared of? And I would say he's scared of not having medical surveillance. Big brother. I mean, the dude is, I mean, yeah, we'll get into more of that later, but here's the Medical surveillance, uh, standby personnel, cross-training the military so they can play a role in terms of all the logistics here. This can be done, and we may not get many more warnings like this one to, to say, okay, it's a pretty modest investment to avoid something that really, in terms of the, the human condition, would be a, a gigantic setback. Yeah, so his solution is basically martial law worldwide, global surveillance, and having the military. It's like, what? Because, <laughs> like of, a, because a virus could happen. Yeah. I mean, how long has it been since we had something, uh, you know, I mean, like the bubonic plague? Like, when did the bubonic plague take place? Was that 1500s earlier? Something like that. Um, but I mean, the people were literally like drinking poop water back then. So Yeah, but that was 800 years ago. This kind of thing is not See, common. Just because Bill Gates is all of a sudden worried about it doesn't mean that like the, the, the fact that Bill Gates is all of a sudden worried about it and then it happens. And he started worrying about it in a big way and doing all this, you know, media recently shit right just, after Trump got elected. Right after Trump got the elected. timing, it's just everything's too perfect. I'm not an idiot, man. I mean, I, it, you know, I don't know. Do you think Bill Gates is going to use what's going on in his platform where he's already like uh, interacting with his foundation, like making vaccines and everything? Do you think he's going to use this to try to get into a position of actual power? I think he already is in a position. Yeah. I don't think we understand but officially, what it's like. officially into a position of power. I don't think we understand no. what it's like to be a person with $73 billion. And that's just I think on that paper. Makes, I bet he's got way more. I think that makes you essentially a god among men. He, and, well, and he acts like he's not only president of the United States, but he acts like he's president of the world. 
I mean, he's already got surrogates and positions of actual power. The, I mean, right now with his coronavirus thing, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the guy who's yep. who's taking the lead in all of this, that the entire world, the media is depicting him as like uh, the the world's granddad. I mean, he is a direct um, uh, pupil, I guess, of, of Bill Gates when it comes to this whole p- pandemic preparedness shit. Now, yeah, so, now, what do you mean when you say pupil? Because he's been in that position for like 20 years or something like that. Well, Bill Gates basically runs the WHO, which employs yeah, Dr. Anthony Fauci. So, Yeah, the WHO mm-hmm. is bad news, and that's why you see like everybody freaking out. Bill Gates helped like, develop Trump's- the WHO, correct? I'm not sure, but I know he's got his fingers in the WHO more than Soros does. And you'll notice when Trump Trump's catching on to that, this whole thing is, you know, one big setup and a scam. And uh, he he's talking about I don't know if it's official yet, but he announced, you know, they're cutting funding to the WHO. And that just, you know, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, oh, my God. Like everybody was the media just lost their shit. Like they were like, this is the worst thing ever. Um, and then, you know, Bill Gates is all over the CDC, too. I mean, in a lot of ways, people like Bill Gates and Soros are more of the president than President Trump is. Yeah, this is the kind of thing that I'm hoping doesn't inspire false hope within myself for President Trump. <laughs> I mean, because when he makes a move like to cut funding to the WHO during a global pandemic, that's the kind of thing that makes me think that he might actually be in with this whole Q thing and with this whole shadow war that's going on with the elites. You know, I mean, who would make a move like that during the coronavirus? Well, I mean, for defunding the WHO, there's a couple of reasons he could have done that. I mean, there's other countries. Uh, Japan called it the Chinese Health Organization. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's got unfounded reasons to defund it. It's not like it's just a well, that's possible that, that's Q move. Still, it's literally like yeah, international. Japan might have called it that, but in the U.S., that's still an incredibly taboo thing to say. Like, mm-hmm. no, no major mainstream media outlet in the U.S. is calling the WHO the Chinese health yeah. organization. Like, that's that is maybe one American news network wow. and Infowars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, but yeah, um, that. But I mean, like, it was the Japanese uh, like representative at the some kind of summit that actually called it that in front of everybody. And another thing to keep in mind, not to skip too far ahead, jump the gun, but China pretty much makes all our vaccines. Well, they pretty much make everything that we have. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's something I'm actually also excited about is seeing Trump hopefully pull back some of these supply chains back to the U.S., get some major manufacturing back on our uh, on our soil. Yeah, this uh, it's like what we were talking about with Pat Militich, like this. It's a toss up which way this thing is going to go. There's a lot of big, big, big power plays being made right now, and some right. of them are good and some of them are bad. Well, this is the time where Trump proves whether or not he's a nationalist or a globalist. Or if he's only out for himself. Right. Yeah. Um, so here's uh, Bill Gates done at least two TED Talks. When I was a Bill. kid... The disaster we worried about most was a nuclear war. That's why we had a barrel like this down in our basement, filled with cans of food and water. When the nuclear attack came, we were supposed to go downstairs, hunker down, and eat out of that barrel. (laughs) Today, the greatest risk of global catastrophe doesn't look like this. 
Instead, it looks like this. If anything kills over 10 million people in the next few decades, it's most likely to be a highly infectious virus rather than a war. Not missiles, but microbes. Nerd. <laughs> okay. All right. I guess no thoughts on that one so far, I guess. Oh, Not I didn't realize the clip was over. That was so unenergetic, the whole yeah, that was that was just This is his more recent TED Talk. Uh, yeah, this is more recent TED Talk. The older one is the next one I'm going to play. But yeah, this is when he, now he's on his virus kick, has been for a couple years. So, Anyways, here's uh, an interesting wording. So next time, we might not be so lucky. Uh, you can have a virus where people feel well enough while they're infectious that they get on a plane or they go to a market. The source of the virus could be a natural epidemic like Ebola, or it could be bioterrorism. Uh? It could be. I mean, you always got to think that there's countries. I mean, if they know they can, uh, if they know they can benefit from like another country getting a disease, they're going to use it, even though that's illegal across because the board. They would still definitely use bioterrorism. Uh huh. So you got to plan for it because this right. virus essentially was invented. Oh my god! <laughs> because Here's this virus essentially was invented. So you and Bill Gates mm -hmm. on the same page on that one. I can't trust any mainstream source of news. I can't trust any uh, government, you know, press release. There's no way of how will we ever know for sure when a pandemic hits, whether or not it was naturally occurring or a bioterrorist act. It it would be pretty much impossible unless you could look outside and see like your neighbors just laying dead in their doorways or something. Um, yeah, you have to trust like, scientists on one side or the well, other. I would say unless you can you look outside and you see like canisters like shooting gas out like that like landed well, from the sky like yeah, that'd be, that's probably more chemical. <laughs> that would definitely yeah, be an indication bio of bioterrorism. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. But it, it, it really comes down to what science do you trust because there's you know plenty of people on both sides, but you've had legit universities from around the world, India being the first, uh, Canada, I think Sweden or Switzerland, one of those two. And other places, you know, scientists get the electron microscope and they look at COVID-19 and they're like, this definitely was altered. It's got the HIV delivery system, blah, blah, blah. A lot of them retracted those publications. But you wait, can still are, so wait, are you saying that COVID-19 is definitely a bioterrorist weapon? I'm I'm saying because um, that you're pretty this much is the point I'm are, making. None yeah. of us are smart enough to know one way or the other is what I'm saying, because you have to trust somebody. You've got to trust one source or another. None of us have electron microscopes. One of those sources Very that true. the average person might trust is the WHO. Right. Well, the average That's the person way they probably don't even know what it is. It almost seems moot, like I'm getting frustrated with it. I see what you're saying. There's really no one you can really try. I mean, unless you take years of your life to look into this kind of stuff, you just got to take somebody at their word for it. Yeah. None of us have, you know, multiple PhDs in electron microscopes and we'll lab coats. Um, so, yeah, it's, yeah, like, like you were saying, either way, you're taking somebody's word for it. It's faith based, whether you believe it was made in the lab or not. And then if somebody does take the fall and it gets proven it was made in a lab, you can bet it's not going to be who actually did it. So, yeah, we'll never know, even if, either way. Uh, Got another clip? I don't know. 
Don't know. Here we go. <laughs> the source of the virus could be a natural <laughs> epidemic like Ebola, or it could be bioterrorism. And so there are things that would literally make things a thousand times worse. In fact, let's look at a model of a virus uh, spread through the air uh, like the Spanish flu uh, back in 1918. So here's what would happen. It would spread throughout the world very, very quickly. So this is a serious problem. We should be concerned. But in fact, we can build a really good response system. We have the benefits of all the science and technology that we talk about here. We've got cell phones to get information from the public and get information out to them. We have satellite maps where we can see where people are and where they're moving. We have advances in biology that should dramatically change the turnaround time to look at a pathogen and be able to make drugs and vaccines that fit for that uh, pathogen. So we can have tools, but those tools need to be put into an overall global health system, and we need preparedness. The best lessons, I think, on how to get prepared are, again, what we do for war. For soldiers, we have full-time uh, waiting to go. We have reserves that can scale us up to large numbers. So he's, so he's literally coming out and saying it right there. I mean, this is basically a war. We need the military. We need total surveillance. He's talking about a virus. Uh, it sounds like he's talking about a response, like having a good response team and using the military as the response team. Yeah, and then it, he, he started, he kicked that off why, talking about... Why is the military necessary? Well, you'd have to, if for quarantines, you would have to enforce it. Um, but it's, the, the bigger problem I had was how he started that off with saying, we have cell phones now and we can use data location and other data to, uh, you know, predict the spread or whatever. So he's just a complete invasion of privacy in order to in the guise of keeping people from spreading the virus. Once again, a massive trade of free, freedom for safety. Exactly. And like the TSA, they've never stopped one terrorist attack. So I'm sure this would be the same. And this is this comes down to like an existential debate of, you know, how like at what point do we say enough is enough? We're just willing to accept the death toll of this natural disaster and exchange for keeping our freedoms that we worked so hard to create, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I completely agree. It's like you don't want to trade freedom for anything, but the way that it's always going to be spun is the same way this is, where it's like you will, we will see bodies in the street unless we give up some of our privacy and our freedom in order to slow the spread. Yeah. Or anything like that. It always becomes an issue of, well, do you want to see your neighbors dead on the street, or do you want to have the freedom to go to the restaurant? And when do you say enough is enough? Like, where do you draw that line? Because if you can't draw that line anywhere, then it seems like it's always just going to be this cycle. You know, uh, uh, a country is formed uh, uh, with freedoms, with a new system that was supposedly better than the old system. You know, that system over time gets more and more corrupt, starts taking and taking more and more. And, you know, eventually to, to the point where we're at today, where there, we're on this precipice where we could go one way, we could go another. We could trade a massive amount of freedom for a, a, a perceived level of safety and a lot more surveillance. And then, you know, 
with that comes more authority, more control, more power in the hands of the government, and then more public unrest, you know, disease, and then revolution, rioting, that kind of thing. So that's what I'm saying is that if you don't draw that line anywhere, it just becomes this like vicious cycle in my mind. Yeah, a lot of people in the whole, um, I guess you could say tinfoil side of uh, this political spectrum, on the left and the right have been comparing this to uh, before it even got big. They were like, this is going to be like the next 9-11 style event where it's just to scare everybody and get them in line, basically. And Yeah, authorize the Patriot Act, the Na mm -hmm. National Defense Authorization Act, where they can just hold anybody for any reason whatsoever indefinitely. Exactly. It's going to become it's going to be looked back on and by like the same people that look back on like 9-11. They're going to look at this and be like, uh, where did we mess up? Where did they hide things from us? Where are the documents showing either way? And there's not going to be anything for people to look at because troopers. it's all going to be covered up. Well, yeah, but also just the comparison of, yeah, COVID-19. Is that what you said? COVID-19? Yeah, COVID-19 truthers. <laughs> we got to come up with something catchier <laughs> than that. But I like the thinking. <laughs> Let's come back to it. Meeting adjourned. 9-11, the biggest similarity to it with this is not just like the tragedy or the fear, but it's like, yeah, like you said, it's the the, the uh, bills and laws that get passed because of it and the freedoms taken and more power grabbed. That's like the biggest similarity between the two, I would say. Man, I'm a definitely. You think we're going to have a Patriot Act three? <laughs> dude, I hope not, man. Dude, it's got to be better than Expendables three. I really hope they don't start doing this like a uh, contact tracing thing with all of our cell phones. Like that, oh, they already I, said I, they're I doing will, that. Well, the technology is already there. It's I'm just whether protest. or not they can make it legal. Well, right. Google already is doing it <laughs> in like, certain countries, not in the U.S. No, uh, no, no, not without your, not without your uh, uh, authority. Like, I mean, your permission. Like, they they haven't started tracking your phone currently, and like, and they aren't sending that to the government for use with coronavirus. Mm, I saw Not Google yet. say they were doing it. They already announced. If they're it. testing it, so they maybe testing it in one specific area with like a set number of people. But like, I mean, they definitely aren't doing it on my phone yet. Well, how would you know? <laughs> well, because they would have to get my permission some some way, mm -hmm. shape, or form, or mm -hmm. the or the government would have to pass some sort of uh, vote on it. But they already do that anyway. So like, why would? this be different because they have the excuse but legally prices. they can't use that information for anything yet they either right. have to have your permission to use it or like noah said they have to have the a government well, law saying they can they use sell it. it to advertisers and you didn't agree to that necessarily well that's no, probably somewhere in the clause yeah well this was too then probably no 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 i don't know <laughs> i don't read the terms of service so well this i'm not educated enough on this to know for sure but ABC News said it. Google was doing it, so but pick it is your, ABC pick News. Your, pick your battles. Yeah, it is ABC News. So. Let's finish this clip. Yeah, let's let's get to work. For soldiers, we have full time uh, waiting to go. We have reserves that can scale us up to large numbers. Uh, NATO has a mobile unit that can deploy very rapidly. NATO does a lot of war games to check are people well trained. Do they understand about fuel and logistics and the same radio frequencies? So they are absolutely ready to go. So, uh, did he say NATO is absolutely ready to go? Yeah, I thought that was weird as well. For pandemic, at what point has NATO response? ever been ready for anything? So they are absolutely ready to go. So those are the kinds of things we need to deal with an epidemic. Yay, epidemic! Uh, what are the key pieces? Uh, first. 
is we need strong health systems in poor countries.、Uh, that's where、uh, mothers can give birth safely, kids can get all their vaccines, but also ding, where ding, we'll ding. see the outbreak very early on. We need a medical reserve corps. Lots of people who've got the training and background who are ready to go with the expertise. Wait, wait, pause, pause. How does he know that's where we're going to see the outbreak very early on? I think、um, I'm assuming he's saying because their sanitation is not as good. Well, just because somebody's sanitation doesn't isn't as good doesn't mean that necessarily the virus that's going to be a pandemic that's going to cause like. I mean, and and if you are developing these health systems there, then wouldn't sanitation get better? Well, you'll notice pretty much all the stuff until, like the coronavirus shit, pretty much always came from Africa. Supposedly,、um, was、so、more they, likely released. Things have come See, like, from Europe. Things have well, come how, from the UK. How, things have come from like, you know, I mean, not, not like the AIDS and Ebola and stuff. So like, it depends how far you want to go down with it. But you know, Fort Detrick. You know, everybody always says like Lyme's disease was came out of there.、Um, right. I mean, Kanye. You know, and a lot of the people think the government invented AIDS.、Um, And then Ebola's like you know, there's always been well, Kanye. This so, so. coronavirus isn't the first、uh, thing to be、uh, heavily looked at as being coming from somebody's government lab, right?、Um, and they have had to admit to doing that sometimes, but they never admit to one that's actually killing people.、Current. Usually, yeah. yeah. <laughs>、uh, but anyway, man, Bill Gates, man. And then we、This、need、guy. to pair those、Dude. medical people with the military. Taking advantage of the military's ability to move fast, do logistics and secure areas, we need to do simulations, germ games, not war games, so that we see where the holes are. The last time a germ game was done in the United States was back in 2001, and it didn't go so well. So far, the score is germs one, people zero. He loves that too. You can just tell by the way he's like happy that germs are winning. His dick is so hard when he talks about、He's、people like, getting I'm sick. I'm on the forefront of this thing. We've only lost. Bill Gates is gonna win. There's gonna be、He、bodies gonna the in the streets. Oh yeah, like that's basically how it's how he is about this. I mean,、yeah. it, it's almost like a fetish for him, man. It's it's all the more creepy when you're watching. You're seeing his face, his facial expressions. He's like so excited, grin ear to ear about all this stuff. Finally, we need lots of advanced R&D in areas of vaccines and diagnostics. There are some big breakthroughs, like the Dino-associated virus, that could work very, very quickly. Now, I don't have an exact budget for what this would cost, but I'm quite <laughs> sure it's very modest compared、uh-huh. to the potential harm. The potential harm. The potential. The World Bank estimates that if we have a worldwide flu epidemic. Global wealth will go down by over three trillion dollars, and we'd have millions and millions of deaths. These investments offer significant benefits beyond just being ready for the epidemic.、Uh, the primary health care, the R&D, those things would reduce global health equity and make、uh, the world more just as well as more safe. More just. So now, now how does he figure that? How does he figure more just? Because he's sneak. He's、Rewind. doing. Can you go back? Yeah, he's sneaking in.、Uh, it's straight up、uh, like Agenda Twenty One shit. He's like he's, 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 he wants social、yeah. policies to be tacked along with this. He's、We、flat out admitting. We have a worldwide flu epidemic. Global wealth will go down by over three trillion dollars, and we'd have millions and millions of deaths. These investments offer significant benefits beyond just being ready for the epidemic. 
the primary health care, the R&D, those things would reduce global health equity and make uh, the world more just as well as more safe. So I think this should absolutely be a priority. There's no need to panic. We don't have to hoard cans oh, actually, pause that. Or... I think we I think we misunderstood him there. I think what he's saying is it would reduce global health equity. So like globalized like, healthcare, basically. Basically, yeah, healthcare inequality is what he's saying. It would if you invest in R and D and you know healthcare systems in you know poor areas, okay. then those people are going to have better access to healthcare, just like wealthier people. I mean. But also, also keep in mind, like, what he's peppering in with that, which is the military. The military, national military, UN, NATO, it's like... Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, do you... Like, think this about, stuff is not mutually exclusive. Yeah, like, you don't have to have NATO so, to, to put healthcare systems into uh, poor areas, first world country, or uh, third world countries, you know. So, can you think of maybe a country in particular in, uh, in history that had... Uh, Doctors and scientists all intertwined with the military. Hmm. Several didn't go too well. Are they going to reign for a thousand years? Let's <laughs> talk about Nazi Germany. What are you talking about? What do you think I was talking about? I thought I I was just thinking about the Book of Revelations when she said reign for a thousand years. Is that right. what the Nazis said? Yeah, the Third Reich will reign for a thousand years. Oh, I didn't even know that. Well, then the more you know. Huh. We need a. We need the more you know about Nazis. The more you know about Nazis. See if I can find that. I'll just go with this. Perfect. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um. Anyways, this is that clip's done. So yeah. Um. Overall thoughts on just that TED talk about the virus and Bill Gates' just obsession with the virus in the last couple of years. He's clearly very authoritarian, man. All of his suggestions involve massive governmental uh, uh, power grabs, um, installation of, of military units and stuff like that. Like that, that's this is like martial law type shit. Yeah. And like because we don't think about billionaires in that kind of a sense, but especially that level of billionaire like a Buffett. Um, or, you know, it's like that. That's a. Uh, this they guy have, has as much wealth as some small countries. Yeah, and it's he like is bigger. Like, honestly, people like Soros and Gates are bigger, and the Koch brothers, I guess, they're like more powerful than any dictator in the last thousands and thousands of years. And like as far as the level of right. influence and control they have, exactly, because it's not all about monetary paper wealth. You know, it's a lot of it's about the amount of influence you have, the amount of control you have, the kinds of connections you have, political and non-political, like you know wealthy elite connections and soros and gates are both like real high up there but yeah uh so the game bill and melinda gates melinda looks like a dude just to clear that up um they went on steve colbert and that went about exactly how you'd expect <laughs> welcome back to the late show folks my next guests tonight are renowned philanthropists who lead the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Please welcome Bill and Melinda Gates. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Get hype. Party Bill time. And Melinda Gates. Bill and Melinda Gates. Yeah, yeah. Hey, real quick, uh, real oh, quick, just as a small backtrack, when you were talking about, like, uh, Bill Gates wants to get involved using the military and everything. Actually, if he wanted to, and actually any of the billionaires of the world, anybody that has that kind of money, if they wanted to, they can purchase their own military. 
mm-hmm. their own navies, yeah. their own armies. <clears throat> That's whatever what we do want. in Blackwater still, right? Exactly. Eric no. Prince from Blackwater. I remembered it and I was looking it up. Eric Prince from Blackwater actually purchased his own navy. He had a navy that was solely privately owned by himself. The problem to is to totally extent L. Ron Hubbard. The problem is that, that draws a lot of attention. And all of those guys, if you if you look at the ones that actually went out and purchased navies, like the, the, things didn't end well usually. No, yeah, that's like, why uh, that they're smart enough not to like purchase a private navy. Exactly. They're smart enough to just control the government and use using their navy. those connections, yeah. that power, that influence. The to, wet dream is exactly a, a, the wet dream is a UN global army. And a European Union Army, stuff like that. With oh, a, the wet dream wouldn't be UN. It would be a private one. It would be like turning Microsoft no. and all their employees oh, no. into that military. Well, that's I, kind of already happened. Silicon Valley, you could argue, pretty much run, like owns a good chunk of Congress. Um, so well, it's I'm, like, I'm with I mean, through lobbyists the, and money, yes, but not outright owns them. The billionaire elitist wet dream is to have a one world government like type UN type situation that is essentially controlled in the background by a you could call it like a board of billionaires um, with this massive, you know, one world, one one world uh, military religion, you know, and then a Manchurian candidate style president that is controlled through MKUltra type tactics. That's not even. Most of that's just not even conjecture or speculation. That's just straight from like people like David no, exactly. Rockefeller's mouth. Exactly. Like he's openly has written books about that's exactly the plan, and he's not the only one. I mean, if you think about it, like just like Napoleon or you know any good or bad leader, Genghis Khan, like throughout history, it's like if they could take over the whole world, they would. That's like what they're trying to do anyway. Right. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? I mean, if you already have that much power, why wouldn't you just try to keep going? Exactly. And the best way to get people to accept you as the leader is to tell them that you're doing something good for them. Well, I think that's kind of like the natural progression. I think that's what like life would kind of become bland and boring once you have all this power, all of this control, and all this time. You know, if you're not <laughs> maybe con- for you. Well, if you're not, well, I'm just kidding. You, we, you, there, there's only so much like uh, pleasure can only do so much for you. You know, generally. So, like a lot of these people, they find pleasure in gaining more power, more control, more influence. So. I am a high-priced Washington lobbyist peddling influence. Who wants candy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dale, man. I'm just going to, my whole soundboard is just going to be Dale Gribble clips before too long. But yeah, uh, let's let's hear what Melinda, who looks like a dude, has to say on Stephen Colbert. Well, I think one of the ones that I speak about, we both speak about, but I speak about the most around the world, is that cell phone has so much power in the hands of a poor woman. And what I mean by that is when she has a digital bank account, poor women, women in poor countries will tell you they're not welcomed at the bank, they don't have the money to get on the bus to go there. If they do, they might get robbed. But when she can... Have you noticed... No matter what the angle is, there's always an excuse to get rid of cash and go digital. It's like the, it can change germs. Like you might get beat up on the bus going to the bank. It's like <laughs> they really don't want cash. It sounds like centralized bank talking right there. That's a centralized banking talk point. Hey, let's yeah, no, know let's, where every single yeah, electronic no. dollar is at all times. Cash, in, cash in is the, incredibly important for the uh, poor people and the working man. Interest for freedom. Yeah. For privacy reasons. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, Bill Gates uh, said the same thing. Like, in that last clip, he was he was talking about, like, how great, like, he said 
word for word, I think he said, so I was talking to the global bank or like the global bank. <laughs> Did you hear him say wow. that? Wow. No, I didn't hear him we, say we that. We have a group chat. Yeah, it's like the global bank. It's like he didn't even say global banks, which would have been more proper. He just used like a singular, the global bank. It's like, oh. Women in poor countries will tell you they're not welcomed at the bank. They don't have the money to get on the bus to go there. If they do, they might get robbed. But when she can save a dollar a day, $2 a day on her cell phone, she spends it on behalf of her family, on their Get that bitch a cash app. Health and the education and of the kids. Only fans. And she also <laughs> sees herself differently. She starts to see herself as a working woman. And she'll tell you, her husband sees her differently when she has assets. She's in India. Her mother-in-law sees her differently. Her oldest son sees her differently when she buys him a bike. So it's not... Okay, so can we just acknowledge for a moment how low Stephen Colbert has sunk? Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, Stephen Colbert used yes. to be the shit when he, he was went, in Comedy yeah, Central, man. He went from the Colbert rapport, which was genius, to such a shill. Yeah, it's like the bash Trump and have Bill Gates on as a guest show now. It's like, what is what is this? And yeah, it seems he like have, he just, I don't know what happened. I mean, it seems like around the same time he got his own flavor of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. He just I, totally I, sold out. I think what happened was he got a pay raise. He man. got a big old, like Comedy Central, you he know, got a pay raise. South Park's the highest, still, I think, you know, by far the highest uh, paycheck coming out of uh, Comedy Central for any show. Other than, like, Chappelle was close up there, and Chappelle turned it down. But yeah, I mean, Steve, the NBC is giving Stephen Colbert way more money than he was making on Comedy Central, I'll tell you that. But it's Absolutely. He sold his freedom of creativity for, like, way more money because Comedy Central would probably let him say pretty much whatever he wanted. Yeah, and he was not near as biased. Like, he was doing a parody of Bill O'Reilly, but it was amazing, and he would, I mean, he would still point out, like, truths and not just repeat talking points from Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. That's what he does now. He just has a show with an audience that somehow loves him, and he repeats talking points from Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. I mean, let's not forget about the value he brings to NBC. You know, he's one of the highest-rated shows on one of the lowest-rated networks out there, you know? <laughs> well, it's not M uh, NBC News. He's on the, like, uh... NBC. What what else is NBC? Who did he on? take over for? Did he take over for Jay Leno? What? Uh, the He's on the show. Late Show, right? The Tonight Show, right? Or the Tonight Show? I think it's the Tonight Show. He took over for like Letterman or something. I think it was Letterman. Letterman yeah. was CBS. Oh, so oh, yeah, I think it's CBS. You're probably right. It doesn't matter. They're all fucking low low rated. It's, it's all the same. It's all the same yeah. stuff pretty much. But like he took over. The Super so it's Bowl. like there's not even really fans of him. It's more fans of the show. It's like the show just has recognition, so he gets recognition. I mean, he used to be really good, but now he's just literally just a mouthpiece for whatever that network wants to pump out. Yeah, while we're yeah, while I'm still thinking of it, I mean, they played it on no agenda, but it was like everything is still Russia's fault. There was like when the measles scare was going on, and like they were saying like everybody has to get vaccinated, or you're gonna die from the measles. <laughs> it's like this. Uh, it was Merck and MMR, and we'll get into that whole vaccine and its safety testing in a minute. But I mean that uh, that clip they played was Stephen Colbert blaming anti-vaxxers on Russian trolls, and it's like, dude, everything is freaking Russia with this guy. It's basically Rachel Maddow. It's crazy. Well, the two of you seem to put so much.
The two of you seem to put so much thought into the general welfare. And, and while, again, you're fabulously wealthy, you, you seem to try to work altruistically for other people. Howard Schultz is a billionaire. He's running for president. You know, Mayor Bloomberg's a billionaire. He's trying to, you know, he's thinking about running for president. Donald Trump pretends to be a billionaire. He is the president. <laughs> Have the two of you thought about running for public office? Oh, oh my whistle. God! Can we stop it right so there that, for a second? Yeah, that, one whistle. That answers that, uh, one of you said, like talking about them getting into power. Oh my God! Yeah, he's like basically saying, "Are you? When are you going to run for president? And you're the best billionaire in the world. Let's get rid of all the other billionaires, but okay. you alone are the best." Yeah. Okay. So the first question oh. on my pre-planned uh, list that you gave me before you walked in here: uh, do, do you want to become president? <laughs> yeah. Uh, to which he responds, I, did, uh, I, I, I might. I don't know if it was the first question. You know, oh, now Colbert. <laughs> you know, Mayor Bloomberg's a billionaire. He's trying to, you know, he's thinking about running for president. Donald Trump pretends to be a billionaire. He is the president. <laughs> Have the two of you thought about running for public office? <laughs> did, didn't it kind of sound like the crowd's applause sign came on a little late. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a little, little, there's a little delay. There's a little delay. Well, we work with politicians, but neither of us will choose to run for office. Uh, you know, we are specialized in what we dig into and what we know. Uh, and, you know, we hope we get good politicians, but uh, we're not going to run. Yeah, we don't like that public scrutiny, you know. We'd rather work from the shadows. The, yeah. the shadows are much more suited, you know, much, much more preferable. Okay. Bear with me. I got a few more. Just get just just to play, you know, give the devil his due. Let's hear it up like Bill Gates. Let's go. Um, so this is 60 Minutes, Bill Gates. This is an old one. I think. Yeah, old 60 Minutes. It's got the clock. You probably know Bill Gates as the founder of Microsoft, the hard-driving tech executive whose software fueled the personal computer revolution. You might also know him as the longtime richest man in the world who left Microsoft five years ago so he could work full time giving his money away. We had the chance to witness Bill Gates 2.0, the man you don't know. He is driven as much as anyone we have ever met to make the world a better place. Gates told us why he thinks inventions are the key to success and just what he intends to accomplish with his time, intellect, and $67 billion fortune, starting with his plans to not... Wait, okay, so he's worth, what, $73 billion now? Mm -hmm. And if he was working full-time to give all his money away, how does he have more money than he did back when this 60 Minutes was... You, you don't understand. It's, <laughs> it's the kind of giving your money away that results in... Getting more, more money in the money. long term. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... Uh, As is yeah. all good charity work. As they say, <laughs> when you have money, your money grows money. Uh, it, you'd think by now they'd be smart enough to not like name things foundations if they're trying to. It's like anytime you hear something like a foundation, it's like oh, I mean, so if, it's a tax-free haven basically. If and you, you probably uh, kidnap kids. If you watch the Ozark show on Netflix, which is basically a show about a family that launders money for a drug cartel. They do that exact thing. They get a foundation, the Bird Family Foundation, <laughs> yeah. so that they can launder money through their foundation. Basically, if someone has a foundation, just automatically see that as a slush fund or just 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 a, a potential sign that yeah. this person might be a little corrupt. Yeah, you'll probably four out of five times you'll probably be right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
It's true. Yeah. True. Some of the world's deadliest diseases. The story will continue in a moment. Oh, we got to wait to see what he says. Yeah. Wait, we, we, are we going to have to listen to the 20 years of your life trying to eradicate disease. Yes? Yep. That's your mission. That'll be the, the majority of my time. Starting with polio. Get it done by 2018. How'd that wait, work out, Wait, Bill? go back. Wait, polio? Eradicate well, this, polio this by 2018? Old. Yeah, well, their polio vaccines in India and other places gave people polio. <laughs> I mean, and that happened in the United States. Like, the government apologized for that. And, you know, but, yeah, Bill Gates is like, it's like, maybe you're just science isn't good and you're unlucky, but your vaccines seem like they're hurting more people than they're helping by far. These are the people Gates wants to help. They are what he calls the bottom two billion, a third of the world's population that struggles on less than $2 a day. They are poor, hungry, lack electricity, and clean water. Gates' most urgent goal, help the millions of children under five who die every year, one every 20 seconds, from preventable diseases. No one alive that I know of has said, my goal is to eradicate a disease, and then another disease, and then another disease. <laughs> Yeah. This is somebody that dreams high. Yeah, because I'm, I'm excited about that, and, and it's, it's doable. Today, Gates spends most of his time here at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in Seattle. He runs it with his father, Bill Sr. So, who was Bill Sr.? Yeah, I don't Bill know much about dad. Bill Sr. One issue that really grabbed me as, as urgent uh, was were issues related to population, uh, reproductive health. But did you come to reproductive issues as an intellectual? When I so first of all, he starts off by saying population, and then I guess that was a correction to reproductive health. But his main issue is population. Hmm. Growing up, my parents were always involved in various uh, uh, volunteer things. My dad was uh, head of Planned Parenthood. And it was very controversial uh, to be involved with that. His dad was head of Planned Parenthood. Mm -hmm. And his dad openly talked about eugenics constantly. I, I knew that the founder of Planned Parenthood had talked a lot about eugenics because, um, you know, I grew up in a uh, very fundamentalist Christian home and uh, we were very pro-life. So Margaret uh, Singer. Yeah, I was I was big into that kind of thing. So. So it was Margaret Singer and Bill Gates Sr.? No, no. He just he just ran it for a little bit like a CEO. Oh, okay. He okay. wasn't involved in the creation. Or he was an investor? No, he was on the board. Yeah, I think he was the head guy. Okay. Um, so he was actually in management. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's And that by itself isn't necessarily mean he's like evil, but it's well, of that course, coupled but... with he was always talking about like eugenics. Well, and... it's the fact that... Uh, growing up when I was a pro-lifer, you know, like my what I knew about the founders of Planned Parenthood was that they were into eugenics mm -hmm. and that and they this were, also turns out to be it was, you know, the creator of Planned Parenthood, like said her goal was to eradicate the black race and like some other undesirables. And it's just like, Jesus. They haven't succeeded, but there are I think the statistic is like half the babies, the black babies concepted or. Aboard. So it's well, like it's typically more in like poorer communities where the Planned Parenthoods have higher rates of that, right? Yeah, which higher rates of abortion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, abortion it, it makes sense to be poorer communities. 
Yeah, I mean, you can have some arguments there about whether or not that's a good or bad thing. So. Well, it's just like, just coming at, at it from the perspective of the creator of Planned Parenthood, it's like they're, I mean, they're doing okay if that was their goal. I mean, it's just creepy. I don't know. I don't well, like. Well, if the goal is to eradicate black people, I think, then I would say no because yeah. <laughs> it's not absolutely. Like they're, it's coming not like at it from like a libertarian standpoint, you should have the choice as a person. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I was gonna say. Is like, yeah, the problem I have. It's kind of like uh like anything else. Like the problem I have is like who's like running it and calling all the shots. It's like I'm not against the police department. We need a police department, but. I still it's like make... the intentions behind yeah. the source of authority. Yeah. Yeah. It's it just I wish you could somehow eliminate those nefarious or ulterior motives, you know, from yeah. from uh, governmental, you know, movements. It's just like... if it was about health and what you would do is you would just educate people about that option, not necessarily promote it or try to get abortion numbers up. Like I would imagine somebody who runs a business like Planned Parenthood would essentially be attempting to do. Yeah. So anyway, that's you can deep dive into Bill Senior, but it's um, it's it's just interesting. Well, just good to know that that's that's the influence that he comes from. Yeah, um, that is true. That the people that he worked with were the kind of people that were like involved in Planned Parenthood. Not just the people that he worked with, and the people he was raised by yeah. his father. I mean, him and his dad both constantly talk about lowering the population. So. And that doesn't even necessarily have to be a race thing. That's just like they all, every, all the, you know, the ideal number is 500 million people on earth is what the Georgia Godstones in Georgia say that. Hmm. Today, Gates spends most of his time here at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in Seattle. He runs it with his father, Bill Sr., and his wife, Melinda, whom he credits with being a driving force behind the foundation. There are over 1,100 employees to help them decide which programs to fund. But Gates still visits sites around the world to see what's working and what's not. Um, it's You kind of see it more if you're watching this whole 60 Minutes piece, but it reminds me so much of that South Park episode where Bono goes to Africa and he just wears his sunglasses and runs around going, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, that's him helping the Africans. It's the same vibe. It's less entertaining. <laughs> same vibe, though, that you get from I them. welcome Bill Gates to our school. The government of Ghana and all school aid children are grateful for your support. Very well done. Great to be here. The grant here Very well done. school nutrition. Very well done. Move along. Yeah, yeah one more. Along. Just one more pass at that, because it's literally like he's freaking royalty. And he's just done. He's like, just literally, this whole village is worshiping him like he's the queen. And his response is like, "Oh, good job, you memorized English, idiot." It's like what? the government of Ghana. Well, I mean, if you think about it, like, I mean, this dude walking into their village basically is royalty. He could throw some cash at them that would like change their lives, and it'd be like less than nothing to him. But he really doesn't. Like, all he provides is like healthcare. Oh no, and I'm vaccines. He could. Yeah, maybe he doesn't. He, I mean, in some ways, could. maybe he does, but not that I've seen. It's like all his focus on is uh, like healthcare. I guess you could say at best he provides them healthcare. Two children are grateful for your support. Very well done. Great to be here. <laughs> the grant here goes mm -hmm. towards school nutrition. This is spinach. Improving agriculture. We don't have enough water in the river. <laughs> and most important to Gates, life-saving vaccines. Yay. 
I don't I labeled this 60 minutes. It ain't doing no good. No matter how perfect the vaccine, if you can't get it to the people who need it, it ain't doing no good. That's right. <laughs> it ain't and doing no good. Now, you know, we need to get it to every child in the world. Yay, vaccinate them all. I mean, it's, I mean, this is from 60 minutes at least a decade ago, I feel like. And isn't it just so nice and dandy that <laughs> now Bill Gates is still yeah. his number one pet issue is vaccines. <laughs> and he's saying that you can't have mass gatherings anymore worldwide until we have global vaccinations. How can you ignore the tells that he drops in all these speeches, all these of like just just all these media, you know, uh, uh, interviews and things like that, that Bill Gates does his connections to his dad, like, you know, the, the what he says about eugenics and that kind of stuff. And then. I just um, I, and, then his, and then his connections to like Jeffrey Epstein and stuff yeah. like that. And just how can you ignore all of this stuff and not say, hey, something's off here? Yeah. Well, family dynasties have always been a thing like throughout all of history. Everybody wants to like, you know, pass like kings pass their power down to their mm -hmm. son mm -hmm. and it stays in the family. The power stays in the family. And like the last open example of that was the uh, British royal family, like the queen. But yeah, I mean, eventually you're going to be smart enough to just uh, not be a have a target on your back, like you said, and be a politician. You're going to right. just collect massive amounts of wealth and influence, and then pass that power onto your kids. So that's Bill Gates to Bill Gates' dad to Bill Gates. Seems like what happened. Right. You so, can have fame and adoration in other ways without yeah. being in the you know with the public eye and having all of the scrutiny that a politician gets. Yeah, the same is about to happen with Soros. I think it's Alexander Soros is due for that throne anytime soon. Mm. If uh, Soros runs out of adrenochrome, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is... I think uh, an epidemic, either naturally caused or intentionally caused, is the most. What? What? Naturally or intentionally caused. Is the most what? An epidemic, either naturally caused or intentionally caused, is the most likely thing to cause, say, 10 million excess deaths, uh, and that it's pretty surprising how little preparedness there is for it. Now, it's tricky because this is a global problem, so, you know, how do countries work together? Globalism. Yeah, man. This just all stinks to high heaven, man. And, uh, Caleb, when you're right, yeah. you're right. Because this virus essentially was invented so, he didn't say that in the clip. He said whether it was naturally or intentionally created, that's the most likely thing to cause 10 million deaths. He's just saying that's what's most likely to cause But he keeps mass putting that caveat in there, a, saying it, if it's a bioweapon or if it's natural. He keeps putting that caveat in there. I don't, I don't know. know why. I think the meme is out there. We're in the Kali Yuga. This is the age of novelty and chaos. It was definitely intentionally created. And it's the age of That's science. It's like it could be like if there was a like an ISIS type group that wanted to create a bioterror weapon, they they it wouldn't be that hard to get the information and to get the tools that they needed to create something like that. Not to say that this exactly. was invented yeah. or created in a lab, but it would not be outside the realm of possibility for a terrorist organization to create a bioterror weapon. Yeah, and governments are just terrorists that are in current control. So right, right. Um, we don't know anything. But that's where my money is. Yeah. 
I mean, it really, it's split down the middle on this, like it always is, you know, because the people that think, like, Ebola and AIDS came from a lab are the same people that think this came from a lab. Um, I don't know. Don't know, man. Don't know. Uh, I think uh, an epidemic, either naturally caused or intentionally caused, 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 either naturally caused or intentionally caused. I think you am going insane. So I, so are you trying to end Chris? Let me ask you. Um, what do you think the <laughs> the deeper intention behind that statement was? Oh, behind Bill Gates' statement? Behind was it? Do you think that that was just a covering all basis, or do you think it was he was slipping in the phrase intentionally caused? I don't do you think know, he wait, can help it, do man. You know, yeah, also, mm. it, I don't know. First of all, I can't say I know one way or the other. I was more just curious about why he, because that's not the only time he does it. He brings up bioweapons when he's talking about viruses and he, you know, stuff like that. But I almost think I lean towards, and I don't know, but I almost lean towards what Ken was talking with us about the other night, where it's like you have to advertise what you're doing. It's like a karmic mm -hmm. law. Like you can't just not, uh, you know, like the all senile and the pyramid are on all the money and shit. It's like the evil doer the evildoer always monologues. The bad yeah. guy always tells his, reveals his secret evil plan. Like yeah. it's just it's it's a law of the universe, man. And it's like in um, like in all kinds of stuff, like occultism or chaos magic or anything like that. It's yeah, the same principle. It's like you have to. Uh, it's almost a form, I guess you could say, of manifesting your intentions. But it's also like basically, it's like cosmically rubbing it in someone's face and it's but so it, blatant that people won't even it's almost like it can't be true it absolves you of guilt basically almost. well yeah exactly from a karmetic standpoint it absolves you of guilt because you told the people what you were trying to do yeah. you actually told them it's not <laughs> like they can say you lied to them about this it's like look i might not have been 100 percent up front with you but i told you what i was going to try to do yeah, like his so TED talk like, where he says vaccines will help lower the population. It's like you I, just said it right there. If if we're going real woo woo with this, then I think that basically, like the the idea is that that allows that negative energy to reincarnate because <laughs> it absolved it of guilt and the weight, the chains of of the the you know the karmic yeah. cycle or whatever. So All like very... a, a perfect example of this would be like Scooby Doo, man. <laughs> like <laughs> like the I villain is the always the, the, the uh, villain always yeah the villain always telegraphs exactly what's going to happen and then the gang you know eventually uh, realizes what's going on they catch the evildoer and he would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you pesky kids and then they there's another evildoer the next episode surprise so. motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> you just scared the shit out of me man um, i enjoy the scooby-doo comparison i've never heard scooby-doo used like that before that was yeah. wonderful I, I use Scooby-Doo for many philosophical concepts. It kind of blew my mind, and then I started thinking about Scooby-Doo for a while. Yeah, that really worked. I mean, like, right. no, so, uh, now on per episode of Abs in a Six-Pack, I'm going to expect at least one metaphor. vague Scooby-Doo reference out of you. Okay. All right. I'll do it. Gonna All right. It. Inked in blood now. All right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, links. just to give the... You know, Bill, some devil's advocate. I didn't want to play clips where he always looks like a tyrannical 
monster. So uh, this actually, he could have answered so much worse. And it's not a great answer, but yeah, I think his answer was way more measured than usual. The tech revolution, to some extent, seems to be one of the agents of this assault on globalization, because the tech revolution brought a globalization into being and certainly helped it enormously. But now there's a sort of alienated, very large group of people. They elected Donald Trump in large measure. They voted for Brexit in this country. Uh, do you actually see an assault on globalization underway and a rise of populism which might set a lot of your work back? Well, certainly in, in democratic systems, the pendulum will swing uh, for global trade, for immigration, and swing against it. And, you know, that it's a self-correcting system where people are listening to the voters, understanding their concerns. But it seems uh, a big joke. Uh, no, but it's, it, it, overall, the idea that China's getting richer and, and there's more scientists all over the world, and the fact that if somebody cures cancer, you're not going to worry what country that comes from, that's a really, really good thing. Uh, the fact that there's more rights... Uh, that we're thinking more about women, that you know, gay people's rights are improved. There is an overall trend. It's not without its, its wiggles uh, where people saying, hey, have we gone too far? What about me? Uh, and that's okay. Democracy isn't going to give you a straight path in any direction. And, and so now we should all be looking at, okay, maybe what they're complaining about uh, isn't the right thing, but why are they unhappy at all? What is it that we need to reprioritize on their behalf? I like how he just kind of lazily referred to the populist nationalist movement as they. Exactly. I was about to say the same thing. It's like he referred to everybody that wasn't himself or his group of people as they. Mm -hmm. And he, mm -hmm. like, like their little kids, like, we need to, you know, understand why they're unhappy. About the Why are you unhappy, Billy? Yeah. You hit me in the head. Why, though? What about being hit in the head are you unhappy about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, overall, like, it's almost because the guy set him up. Like, the guy literally asked the question, like, you know, this populist movement is kind of halting globalism, and is, that's probably setting you back a lot. I mean, he asked the question literally that way, so... I feel like that might have put Bill Gates on the defensive, and that's why his answer wasn't nearly as bad as it usually is. Does that make sense? Yeah, a little more conservative, a little more like, well, we need to actually see what people want before we just force it down their throat. Right. Um, so, yeah, here's the, uh, the older TED Talk, the famous one. I'm going to talk today about energy and climate. And that might seem a bit surprising because my full-time work at the foundation is mostly about vaccines and seeds, about the things that we need to invent and deliver to help the poorest two billion live better lives. Okay, so not that bad, you know, mm -mm. not too bad, um, but it gets a little weird. Now we put out a lot of carbon dioxide every year, uh, over 26 billion tons. Uh, for each American, it's about 20 tons. Uh, for people in poor countries, it's less than one ton. It's an average about five tons for everyone on the planet. And somehow we have to make changes that will bring that down to zero. It's been constantly going up. It's only various economic changes that have even flattened it at all. So we have to go from rapidly rising to falling and falling all the way to zero. This equation has four factors, a little bit of multiplication. So you've got a 
thing on the left, CO2, that you want to get to zero. And that's going to be based on the number of people, the services each person's using on average, the energy on average for each service, and the CO2 being put out uh, per unit of energy. So let's look at each one of these and see how we can get this down to zero. Uh, probably. Okay, so uh, you see that little laugh till <laughs> down to zero. Mm -hmm. yeah, he's, he's about to point the change the slide to uh, humans as the variable on the chart. And see how we can get this down to zero. Uh, probably one of these numbers is going to have to get pretty near to zero. Now uh, that's. Now this is a TED talk, and these TED attendees are mostly elitist dickheads. But listen to uh, talking about getting the human population almost down to zero. The audience, like, ha 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 ha. Mm -hmm. love uh, probably one of these numbers is going to have to get pretty near to zero. Uh, that's back from high school algebra. But let's, let's take a look. Uh, first, we've got population. Uh, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. What? That's creepy. What? See, the, I okay. get, no, I, I, I get, I get the defense that's about to come up, but my thought and my immediate thought in response to that is healthcare and reproductive services should make birth safer and more efficient. And yeah, mm -hmm. when, when, if you're including abortion in there, then that's, there's going to be a certain number of, on accidental pregnancies, pregnancies in, in poor areas where it would literally cripple the family, where the, the, that kind of thing happens. Um, but that's not going to lower the population that alone by well, 10 or 15 percent. What he's including the other, in there is vaccines and other things. Well, also out of the other side of his mouth, he's saying that like, you know, like millions of people are dying from curable diseases and it's like why you know what i'm saying it's like he's acting like he's saving all these people's lives how is curing the diseases gonna lower and the improving improving reproductive health systems like going to lower the po global population by 10 or 15 percent well, it sounds like well, he's already being lowered. this is one of the theories i've heard just let me i want to get both of your all's uh, opinion on this sure. if you vaccinate uh a, a group of people that are not like especially like poorer people especially in poorer third world countries and that kind of stuff where one of the reasons that they have kids and why there's like families of like with seven, eight kids and things like that is because they have lower health standards and they People don't have wrong. all of the like they don't have hospitals. They don't have places to go if somebody does get sick. So they vaccinate or the vaccines are supposed to be given to the children in order to make like two or three children live the same length of time that seven or eight children would because they have that many children in order to like make sure that they have children. Because there's like children that die of all kinds of infantile diseases and uh, young disease, like diseases before the age of eight. It's yeah, still, I, get like, how that, I get how that makes sense. It's still drawing a massive conclusion but, that people are going to have less babies yeah, there's once no way, their babies are healthier. Like that, that, I, well, that, that also, doesn't seem logical to me. It seems like that habit of having a lot of babies would take a long time to break. And also there's no way that factor would change anywhere near the amount of like Bill Gates and all these people saying like millions of people are dying from preventable diseases. So if you're saving all these people, there's no way it would outweigh the lives you're supposedly saving. 
Well, because you're basing that yeah. that uh, the numbers the, that just population don't decrease on people choosing to not have as many babies, and that, that, I mean that's oh. a massive jump, okay. like logical jump. I think I could see it. No, but I've okay, I, I, I see what you're saying, but let me present this to you too. From the time of the baby boomers to now, the average number of children had by an American household has dropped from like I want to say it was like four point something to like two point something, or right under two kids something like mm -hmm. that could that be attributed to better technology better healthcare, and better educational uh, yeah i think it's actually, actually, i think economy. it's actually cost people of living has, has gone people up can't afford that anymore yeah that's people can't afford that but you still have poor countries where people have seven eight kids at a time well because they uh everybody's not at a time but they're not an ultra capitalist over, uh, they're, they're not an ultra capitalist thing where it's like basically you know you're sh you should feel ashamed if you're you know like they're based like the countries like that like everybody's homeless essentially they're different you're living in culturally it's just yeah. completely different so like more kids helps okay. you in that situation because in like you know they can you know till the farm or you know like hunt animals or what however you know primitive the society is or just you know so it's like yeah it seems like uh the, the numbers just don't add up on that yeah I'm about, so you're saying I, there's a cultural divide between our country and like a third world country yeah well just because like like i'm sure um if like americans who work on a farm I bet if you look up the statistic, they have way more kids than the average citizen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's the cost of living. I see, that's I see the mainly, point you're making, though. Like I, I've heard that point made before. Yeah. I just don't that's think what it's I'm, valid I, uh, defense of I what think, Bill Gates is saying. I think it could be a factor, but there's no way it outweighs the factor of life-saving vaccines from all these diseases that millions of people are dying from. In my opinion, it's like, to me, it kind of balances itself out. Like if the vaccines, and this is totally assuming, vaccines are 100% what that, uh, 100 safe, they do what they say they're going to do, they administer them to everybody that needs them, I feel like it would balance it out, but the numbers that he's talking about, like 10 to 15%, don't match up. I feel like it's a way to reduce population by maybe half of what he says maximum, but I really don't feel like the numbers, I feel like those are very... The reason I don't necessarily believe what he's saying is because I feel like he's, he's very optimistic about the numbers that would be reduced with advanced um, healthcare education and vaccines in poorer countries. Yeah. So uh, that's really to, that's my belief on it. I mean, I could I'm not saying it's not a factor, but I I mean, none, I don't know the math. So but uh, so anyway, yeah, keep in mind that uh, that TED talk where he's saying he points at humans we need to get this close to zero one of these numbers has to be close to zero um then he's going on about population lowering uh carbon emissions and really like the more you watch ted talks that's basically a central theme um for example this is pretty much guys this is almost the exact same message as bill gates gives if you just keep in mind what he said in that one guys pat yourselves on the back right now okay let's do it come on Everybody, I'm not gonna make you. I'm not gonna let you stop until I see everybody doing it. Let's pat ourselves on the back. There we go. You two, you're patting each other. That's cheating. That pat on the back right there is for saving the worlds. Worlds, world. I'm looking at young minds right now. You guys are all intelligent. I know that you did good in school. I didn't do that. You especially. You're very smart. <clears throat> it's almost. Uh, Who is that? It's almost even a direct jab because Bill Gates dropped out of uh, school too, high school. Look at us. We're the machine that keeps the world 
going. So yeah, all these TED Talkers are just very self-congratulatory. Who, who is the TED Talker here? <laughs> you know who it is. And I don't know who it is. That, wait, oh, wait, yes. <laughs> I was wondering, I was like, what is this? Wait, who is it? I can't <laughs> tell. Sam Hyde, like, scamming yeah. his way oh, into doing a right. TED Talk. That's right. But listen to, like, his. he's basically doing direct satire of Bill Gates' TED Talk, and I didn't realize it that how direct it was until last night. And that same sense of It's like smacking himself to and try that not to same laugh. sense of childlike play and innocence that we know from Albert Einstein. I can sense it in this room today. TEDx, Drexel <laughs> University. Drexel, Drexel University. Next X. So you gotta be thinking to yourselves right now. Who's this? 22-year-old kid up on stage with a chip on his shoulder and his heart on his sleeve and the world in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Ideas are amazing. Ideas are like currency. Ideas are what drives the world. Ideas are what we need to get to the next stage. And not just great inventions like the train, little things like this microphone, that enables me to speak to the unwashed masses. <laughs> TED Talks. TED Talks are another great idea. Oops. TED Talks. TED Talks are another great idea. Where would, where would we be right now? And we have to talk about it because great ideas don't come in all shapes and sizes. 9-11, September 11th. And we're going to use some reverence here and not be silly about this, but look at what they accomplished with no weapons and just 11 guys who didn't even speak English. And that proves that sometimes great ideas are actually horrible ideas. What the fuck? Dude, oh my God, it's so good. Where are we? We've got all this great technology. We've got 7 billion people in the world. And according to UN projections, it's going to go up to 50 billion people. <laughs> like... That's a lot of mouths to feed. And I don't think they're going to be able to feed themselves. So we better start coming up with some robots <laughs> to bridge that gap. It's like so much of this is like word for word what Bill Gates said in that TED Talk with something ridiculous tacked on the end. I love how low-key highbrow this is. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I really did not fully appreciate this until last night when I saw the Bill Gates TED Talk and this one back to back. It's like the world population is going to be like 50 billion people next year. God, it's just, that's a lot of mouths yeah, to feed. Yeah, he just literally like half his jokes in here are start off with something Bill Gates said word for word in the TED Talk and then just get taken like to a crazy uh, direction. But it's like uh, it's genius. <clears throat> The West's sick addiction to fossil fuel is going to make this planet uninhabitable for the future generations. Uh, you'll know what I'm talking about if you've seen the movie An Inconvenient Truth. <laughs> it's essentially what's going on is we're too selfish and we're driving our cars too much. And that's getting nature out of the picture. Now we looked at the data. We looked at the data. And what we found surprised us. What we found right there. What we found was that culture is a sewer. We've got lewd media. We've got nasty bedroom things on TV. And they're sexualizing <laughs> young girls, and it's getting to the point where even I have a problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 
Even even oh, I have a problem with it. Brilliant guy. He is. Oh man, I'm gonna try so hard to get him on the podcast. Uh, please so, do. Oh my god, please. Um, whew, that, wow. That, that's just. But uh, it keeps getting better. And it's just you, pure genius, I'd man. I swear, like if you watch this back to back with that Bill Gates TED talk, it's like it's like the same exact TED talk. We are all world citizens living together with one social contract, one economic future. We're all tied together. There's no more individual anymore. It's just the hive. <laughs> it's just I think that's the actually hive. a really good point that he made right there. That's something that's been throughout, like, not just Bill Gates, but all of the people that have been, like, saying, like, hey, we all have to do this kind of stuff. It's like getting rid of individualism in exchange for the safety of everyone. Yeah, it's the same reason we want states' to rights to override federal law. It's the same reason we want a nation's individual rights to not have be the same all over the world. You can't, yeah, it's just, it's freedom or tyranny is pretty much the... Exactly. It's like no one wants to be controlled by one central force that's attempting to, in quotes, look out for everyone. You want to be able to make your own decisions for yourself. Yeah. Well, I think you kind of do. I think I think there's a massive percentage of people that actually, like, without even realizing it, that they actually do want that system. They do want one centralized, you know, um, force of control. And I think a lot of people who are like that are really ingrained in society. They're they've got you know, um, really you know, what, you know, white collar jobs, things like that, where they're just you know, they're in their social media, they're in cities, they're just. Not to get all hippy dippy here, but they're out of touch with We're nature, all- you know that kind of shit. Um, I mean, I was actually yeah, thinking about this maybe. on my drive out here. I was just like seeing all the mountains and the hills, and, like the the wide open spaces, and I was like, man, people get so like caught up in this, and they they want this kind of system and this kind of control and this kind of safety because they're so integrated into the hive. Basically, that's, I feel like that that pendulum is swinging back pretty quick that's I'm what, hoping so. that's what trump is that's what brexit is that's what all these countries trying to leave the european union um so yeah i mean it's it's uh i think it's on the upswing i i think also especially in america even like the leftiest lefty is still like patriotic enough to want america to be free and independent i don't mm-hmm. think there's that many people that are begging for the only a, people a one world government yeah, yeah at least not not people on our social tier you know yeah, not yet anyways, especially yeah. poor people, because they realize that just means, hey, I'm going to be solidified as a lower tier person Yeah, if, they, if we do that right now. If they like use modern monetary theory and the UN offers like a global U- UBI, I bet America would vote. If we took a vote on it, a lot of people would be like, yeah. Just look at the support for Bernie Sanders and people like Andrew Yang. It's like, Yeah, that would definitely happen in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. There's no yeah. question about it. I mean, like, and there's so many gonna, people ready for that. Yeah, they're going to lure without us without any in. kind of plan in place. They're going to lure us in with ice cream and puppies uh, to the. Gl- yeah. We're going to have to be willingly going into it. They can't. Yeah, that's the thing. Where nuance reigns supreme and discernment reigns supreme because a lot of these things, in principle, aren't necessarily bad ideas. It's just it's how it's implemented and when it, when you use that as like bait to trade basically your freedom for control because somebody's going to give you some extra money that's a like it within a few years going to become meaningless because everybody's getting that money you know um exactly it's just an idea without a plan to lure you into supporting something that you like the idea of but you actually don't know 
what their plan yeah. is to implement it. Well, and there are ways you can actually plan implement is ideas like you. Yeah, there are ways you can implement ideas like UBI, na- like in a national system, and it would actually be something that benefits, you know, rather than spending all of our money wastefully yeah. in corporate bailouts and bribes and shit like that, giveaways. Yeah, you know, we could actually give away to the people. But at the same time, you know, that's, that's a conversation in, for another day. But. Yeah, they're already setting mm-hmm. in the stage to sweeten the pot with something like that for uh, get people on board with getting rid of cash get people on board with globalism there are they've already gotten seated that idea out there so right we'll see what happens anyway back to uh mr sam hodge ted talk but hunger poverty okay we're on this right now can you control the slides get on the right slide go ahead go ahead go ahead it's fine there we go trash economy go back go back okay i was in rwanda I was, a little, I was with a little startup you may have heard of, Tesla, okay? <laughs> Elon Musk was there, a team of innovators, artists, creators, ideas, thinkers. We were there. And we were giving iPads to this village of Africans. And it was so freaky because, uh, you know, they're so intuitive. You just doop, doop, swipe it, and it works. But these guys, we gave, we gave them like two-hour tutorials, and they couldn't figure out how to use the freaking things. The problem is us. This, uh, the people in this room right now, the solution is us. The problem <laughs> is greedy corporations. Uh, we do things that matter. New York Times. I'll just skip ahead here. Uh, my, by my calculations, we have five years until the world ends. Unless we can start <laughs> to reverse things like pollution and war. Pollution. War. These are big problems. Fix it. No! He he just ca- he captures he's like it's very tongue in cheek but he just captures the entire like the entire like mentality of the kind of people that go to these TED talks. Exactly. Like the s- snuffy intellectual pretentious freak control freak yeah pretentious yeah it's it's amazing what he and pulled the, off here. It, Super exactly fuel. the people that are like just fix it but they have no idea how to. They don't yeah. know who they're talking to or asking to fix it or putting in control of the project to fix it. They're just like, just fix it. Yeah, and they've no, done no research for themselves about, like, the impact of carbon emissions or anything like that. they just like, yeah, it's just a lot of parody. Super fuel-efficient vehicles getting 80, 100 miles per gallon. It's not that crazy. You think <laughs> I'm nuts right now because I'm suggesting something high-tech like that? Flip side of that coin, gas, $10 a gallon. <laughs> you can't win them all, but we can make do because we're going to have solar power also. Race riots, extreme racial tension and unrest. Uh, it's called the knockout game, and eventually white people are going to get tired of playing it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I'll skip that one. Um, we have two minutes left. Okay. Playing games with me, huh? Can we get the original 18 minutes back on here? <laughs> uh, okay, so, yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's top her off with the last clip I got. Guys, what's the one problem right now that's not going to be around in 2070? <laughs> the elderly and the disabled. Because we're just going <laughs> to kill them. <laughs> We're just gonna kill them. So we looked at the data. 
Uh, <laughs> we got robots policing the streets. 2070, we got gay marriage. Surprise, surprise, bigots, okay? Sorry, in 2070, gay people are going to be allowed to get married. Get used to it. Make me sick sometimes. Soda Stream will do for soda what 3D printing did for assault rifles. And I think you're going to be seeing a whole lot more of these great Apple products. The iMac. You're probably thinking this is some pretty deep stuff, and you're right. <laughs> so, uh, that whole thing is amazing. I think it's like 16 minutes, and it's just fantastic. But uh, back to Bill Gates. We'll do a little, a little more side-by-side -side real quick. As the medical cost goes up, and that shows up both in state budgets as so-called state Medicaid spending, uh, and it shows up in the federal budget as, as Medicare, and they're part of uh, Medicaid, it squeezes out everything else. Uh, so right now what you see is it's squeezing higher education. You're raising tuitions at the University of California at the, as rapidly as they can, and so the access that used to be available to the middle class or whatever is just rapidly going away. That's a trade-off society's... Kind of just laughed about the middle class going away. Did you hear that? It's like, huh? <laughs> ...making because of very, very high medical costs and a lack of willingness to say, you know, is spending a million dollars on that last three months of life for that patient, would it be better not to lay off the, those 10 teachers and to make that trade-off in medical costs? But that's called the death panel, uh, and you're not supposed to have that discussion. So that's wow, pretty wow. Nice. That's pretty straightforward. That discussion. Yeah, so basically... He said the exact same thing as Sam Hyde said about the elderly and disabled, except he said it in way more words. We're just gonna kill them. I mean, Sam, I mean, that's basically what he just Sam said. Sam Hyde's yeah. whole TED talk. I'm serious. It's like it's like the exact same as Bill Gates. It's crazy. It's just crazy. Excuse me. Yeah, it's pretty much just taking everything Bill Gates said to a more extreme end. Yeah, but I mean, he, it's yeah, pretty way, much true. Making it more way extreme, more entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Would it be better not to lay off the, those 10 teachers and to make that trade-off in medical costs? But that's called the death panel, uh, and you're not supposed to have that discussion. So you, of course, well, we're that's making... That's an interesting thing you just said, which is just the last three months in life for one person or something, because we haven't had a discussion of how to allocate that money, it means we lay off three teachers to do so. I've just, like... That clip's been floating around for a while, but it still leaves me speechless every time. It's like, wow. That's dude. nuts. I mean, the fact that he's like, you know, he just, like, who has the balls to talk about, like, a death panel? I mean, in a TED Guys, talk. Sam Hutt. What's the one problem right now that's not going to be around in 2070? <laughs> the elderly and the disabled. Because we're just going to kill them. <laughs> it's like. The same meaning, just different cadence and vocabulary, but the end result <laughs> is the exact same as what Bill Gates exactly. said. Exactly. Let um, me let me float an idea out there real quick for you guys, and let me see what I want to see your reactions and what you had to say about it. Okay. Bill Gates started Microsoft, and one of the models of Microsoft was that there were essentially either inherent flaws 
or flaws that they did not have time to fix in each version of it. Mm-hmm. And then they would make a new version either the next year or whenever they got done with it that would fix those flaws. But there would be inherently either more flaws or more flaws that they just didn't have time to fix. What if Bill Gates saw that the money-making opportunity that he had with Windows could be applied to a physical, real-life situation such as vaccines? And that his whole thing with the vaccines, his whole reason for getting involved and invested in them, is he's going to make them. And they're going to fix whatever problem it is, but it's going to produce a new problem in the future that's going to also need to be fixed by the next Microsoft vaccine or Bill and Melinda Gates foundation Um, vaccine. It's like the pharmaceutical companies that give you like a side effect for a drug for a side effect of another drug that you're taking that you need to get a side effect from that. So they give you another drug. It's just like an endless, you know, Russian doll type situation. That's very plausible, Caleb. I actually hadn't even thought about that. Like there's no way in hell I'm going to be taking this COVID-19 vaccine whenever it comes out, man. And Bill Gates is already saying that Microsoft wants to, you know, spearhead and basically he didn't say monopoly but he means have a monopoly on the uh, global id for vaccines the global uh exactly and that shows it's like there's going to be covid 19 vaccine 1.1 and then 1.2 mm-hmm. and then 2.1 like that's what i'm thinking is he's just taking the business model from what our his bread and butter already is which is uh os systems and microsoft and he's just reapplying that to a different field which well, and also, vaccines are something everybody has to have if they yeah, want to stop getting some kind of virus. And if you're in control of that system that has everybody tracked, like on their body or the tattoo or whatever, to prove they have a vaccine, which is what Bill suggested, um, yeah, then you are basically the most powerful person on the planet or the company that has those. Mm-hmm. Exactly, you have access to all the information of everybody, politicians. So then it's like. It's like being able to track all of your owned hardware via the software. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's that's the end game. Making me want to go live in the woods. <laughs> that's why Agenda 21, oh, that the uh, the goal for Agenda 21, like one of the first things on the agenda is move people out of the rural areas and get them into the cities. Way Self-made easier. prisons, man. Yep. All right, so now we're at the end of Bill Gates Part 1. And... It's uh, time for our sports update from Ruffner. So, Ruffner, what's going on in the world of sports? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, still nothing, Chris. Nothing. Yeah, back to you, Chris. It's all still canceled? Uh, yeah, it's all gone. We are going to tax you to breathe. It's for the earth. And I've seen Bill Gates say in that little uh, yuppie voice, and then what we need to do is... Get this graph down to zero on carbon dioxide being output on the earth. How are we going to do that? Well, humans are the main thing, and we we put out individually this amount at the TED conference. What do you think about that? Everybody goes, ah, and he goes, that's right. We've got to get this down to zero. And he puts his clicker and puts an image of a human up there. And all the little anti-human control freaks you know, that mommy never disciplined, like get off on the thrill of, ah, 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 we're going to kill everybody. And Gates laughs with, mm, uh, and, and then there's a, 
I should do a special newscast on this on the nightly news where I just show a little giggling about killing us. The giggling about killing us at TED conference. The giggling about killing us at another conference where he said, if you, okay, mm-hmm, wise old Nellies that rule us. If we um, get rid of grandma and don't give her end of life care, we hire 10 teachers. What do you think about that? And I was like, oh yeah. I mean, it's just like scum, Nazi filth, trash, garbage, maggots. We are all ruled by little chicken neck Nellies going, uh, kill everybody. I get off when I talk about t cutting people's power off. I'm a Nelly. Uh, ah, yeah, yeah. Just simpering control freaks in big nerd packs, taking everything over, ruling everything, becoming police officers with weapons, tasering us for fun. I've had it with control freaks and scum. You people are cancer. Oh, all right, I'm not in a good mood now. Just I start, I start thinking about Bill Gates up there with that little chicken neck. Hopping or now, a little murdering eugenicist. You know how he walks like, like a demonic elf. Hey, Bill Gates. I'm going to shoot you up with something that's going to kill you down in the hammer. How's a 30-year death from gut disease sound, African children? Roll up the sleeves.